This week's episode is brought to you by Patreon at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Not only do you get access to every episode a week early and ad-free, but we have tons of extras, including our two newest interviews. We chat with Mike Scully about his time executive producing the show. I ran it through uh, seasons 9 through 12, which I always characterize as the four most consecutive seasons of the show. And we talk with writer Mimi Pond about what it was like to write the first episode of The Simpsons. You know, and I get to be the turd in the punch bowl every single time I tell this story because nobody wants to hear anything bad about The Simpsons. You can find all that and more exclusively on Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy ho everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons where the goggles do nothing. I'm your host, Drug Keeper Aware, Bob Mackey, and this is the Laser Time Podcast Network's chronological exploration of the Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Henry Gilbert, and I'm just Millhouse when he gets hurt. <laughs> and who else? Chris Antista, and I miss when Google was just four people. <laughs> and today's episode is Radioactive Man. F er, E one is talking about which aired on September 24th, 1995. <laughs> and as always, Chris will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh my God! Oh boy, Bobby! The 47th annual Primetime Emmys airs on Fox, where Frazier wins and Simpsons doesn't get nominated. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman wonder what's in the box in David Fincher's de- directorial debut, Seven. And Ubisoft's original mascot, Rayman, debuts on console. Yeah! <laughs> that is not the sound, Rayman. That's actually... <laughs> yeah! It's so yeah! awful. Yes. Yeah! <laughs> he has so much to... Uh, yeah! I, I fucking a, John DiMaggio as Rayman. I wrote about games for over a decade, and I will tell you... This is related to Seven, by the way. Gamers mm. are so stupid... That a bad French man remade Seven into a video game 13 years later, and they all loved it. And that game was called Heavy Rain, and it wow. sucks. Heavy Rain. And you're wrong to have ever liked it. It's always been bad. You are bad, and you should feel bad. And every every review was like, I'm a dad, and as a dad, you don't know what being a dad is like. So A+. Plus, 10 out of 10. I am tired of hearing from dads. Talk, we're all childless here. But, yeah, uh, you don't know what my amiibo collection means to me. <laughs> but you know What that- if your amiibo got lost in the mall, and you were, you were helpless? <laughs> Uh, and John Doe, quite uh, scary. He's even scarier now than he was then. I know it sucks that like all these things is like I just want to like this. Why, why must yeah. I? Why must it be tainted by I, sexual I it was, harassers at every turn? It was more oh, inter- interesting that David Fincher making his directorial debut. Well, he did do Alien Three. Before he did. Oh, this. I'm sorry, you're right. He took his name I mean, off and put it back on. I mean, we should pretend it wasn't yeah. the David Fincher. What role. an age in which Kevin Spacey and Gwyneth Paltrow were appealing. <laughs> you now, know, Gwyneth Paltrow went from movie star to selling rocks you put in your vagina. Yeah, so look, yeah, there's a lot of things you can make fun of Gwyneth Paltrow for, rightly so, but she's not, she's true, not a true. criminal like Kevin Spacey. Selling right? pseudoscience is pretty bad, but yeah. not sexual harassment. Or bad. also putting up stories like. It's easy to eat healthily, everybody. Come on. It's like, you have a personal chef. Yeah. First, hire a dietitian. And I'm glad you're... Hey, look. Good segue. We're dishing on Hollywood. That's true. This is a Hollywood classic episode... 
Before we start, though, I want to mention the animation is different for this episode. It's crazy. It is digitally colored by a company called U.S. Animation, a pioneer in digitally coloring uh, animation for America. They worked on shows like Ren and Stimpy and huh. Beavis and Butthead. So the well, digital Ren and Stimpy, not Doctor Cats, not Doctor Cats. No, that's uh, that's some old Amigas <laughs> they they threw together. But the digital Ren and Stimpies look good. If you mm. remember episodes such as Stimpy's Cartoon Show, my favorite episode that Whoa. I got the director to draw me a scene from that episode. It's, it looks great and uh the royal canadian kilted yaksman like they did good good work on that Stimpy. episode it looks beautiful yeah, yeah so wow, that's one of the best looking episodes they did i think it's because the line quality is different on that show than it is on the simpsons huh. it's much yes. thicker lines much bolder lines it is so i didn't know why it looked different to me as a kid but even in first viewing at 13 i was like this is different yeah the colors look a bit muted and chris will love this they also digitally colored we're back a dinosaur, a dinosaur story? story that's it that's oh. one Oh, wow, yeah. The very same. It's a good thing uh, I described it in Jay full. Leno, John Goodman star, Jay Steven Leno Spielberg. Was I think so. Wow. Yeah. I remember Walter Cronkite. Walter Cronkite. That's right. Okay, so The Simpsons experimented with digital animation a bit before they had to they pretty much had to go into yeah. it because no one was left to color the cells uh, with paint. Al Jean says it 800 times on commentaries. Yeah. Yes, it was officially season 14 was when they went yes. into digital, which Futurama beat them to digital by about four years. It's true. They, they, uh, they were digital from day one, which fits because it's a futuristic I mean, Rough show. Draft was doing digital animation with the Max in yeah. like 1994-95, so oh, yeah. they were pioneers back so then. They experimented with digital uh, coloring once in 1995 with this episode. Again, with the awful episode Tennis the Menace in which there's an Oedipal thing going on with Bart and Marge and Homer oh it's god yes trash. it's I, really bad and then, then you didn't see that coming yeah, yeah we well, didn't because yeah, right. it's terrible sorry Mike Scully it's we okay were so we nice love you Mike you Scully yes, please come do. back but also as Henry said the first uh, episode to just go full on digital was The Great Laos Detective uh, which was a Sideshow Bob episode that had Frank Grimes Jr. in it it was the first Oof, digital coloring yeah. episode but now that the show is HD it's fun to listen to the new commentaries on the season 18 disc and they're like they they miss this digital animation now that they're in hd they're using like animation tools instead of having everything be drawn and then colored okay. so uh. it's it's sort of like the flash style animation by flash i mean programs like toon boom and things this, like that. that that is disappointing because we talked with ian jones cordy yeah. uh, the creator of okko who mm-hmm. also works on steven universe and he said in both those cases like they still draw for both those shows they draw line art then digitally animate that mm-hmm. so it's it, that's why it looks better than modern day Simpsons mm. in, in like in animation alone. It, it's astonishing how modern this one episode looks out of the bunch because mm-hmm. it does look a little cleaner, like more I like miss the show. The dirt, though, yeah. I love the dirt. Well, that, that was the weird thing because I just assumed they were using paint bucket tools and the coloring because some of the lines have like a Disney Xerox Hundred One Dalmatians quality. Yeah. It's weird, though. If you go to the later digital episodes Mm -hmm. uh, where they started doing all the digital coloring and and everything, they actually add, like, a cell flare to the the cells. They actually add, like, a little tiny, like, very subtle shadow around the cells like you would see when you're photographing cells on, you know, paper. Which I just got the fucking... Charlie Brown Christmas in 4K. Oh my god! <laughs> and I'm watching it. It wasn't even out. done in 4K. But it, but it, it was done on film. film so I guess right. they could restore, restore it. it but yeah. like it, you blow it up on a big screen, and like the shadows are so huge. And I was like pointing out, see, that's why I bought this version yes. because look at Lucy's <laughs> face going through the psychiatrist stand. This the oh. shadow extends across the entire pole. I love self flare. It's, it's those moments when you realize, like, oh yeah, I'm looking at photographs mm-hmm. of 
cell yeah. paint. Yeah. That's what I'm looking at here. And that's but, beautiful in a way. In yeah. the new HD Simpsons, uh, which has been going on for like seven or eight years now, mm-hmm. they don't bother to emulate the physical flaws or mm. like the physical artifacts of traditional animation so it looks different like Mm -hmm. this digital era not this era but the the pre-hd digital era they did try to emulate some of the physical the physicality of cell animation i imagine it would be a trans a hard transition for some people we're talking like almost a hundred years of this medium but they just they weren't sold on this outlook so they didn't stick with it they could have done season eight uh, seven in the same way but that's why this one's so late in production this is the last season seven production Isn't episode, it like uh, the seventeenth production episode, mm-hmm. or something yeah, weird like yeah. that. Yeah, and this is directed by Susie Dieter, who had last done a Star Is Burn. She worked on that. She also directed an episode of The Critic. She was kind of straddling the fences on that. There. Okay, so this is, as Marge would say, this is Henry's <laughs> time to shine. Henry's got his mop in his bucket. <laughs> but yes, this is a comic book episode. If you are new to the show, I am a huge comic book geek. I would say equal to being a Simpsons geek, perhaps even more so than a Simpsons geek. I'm a comic book geek. It's true. He's wearing a Spider-Man t-shirt, folks. (laughs) Oh, shit, I am. Intentionally? (laughs) (laughs) I love comic books, and Radioactive Man was always their way to do comic book jokes. Mm -hmm. And I went nuts when we did the Three Men in a Comic Book episode, Mm -hmm. which is about Radioactive Man. It's true. We did commit Henry. (laughs) And this one is, too. And you have to remember that this came out in 1995, before Marvel movies were all movies. Yeah. When, I mean, when producing a comic book movie was a risky thing people didn't really do. It wasn't all fucking movies. Then. A lot of this is an allegory for Batman 89, right? It absolutely yeah. is yeah. about Batman 89. And down, right down to the casting of Rainier Wolfcastle. Yes, who, who would be, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger would be Mr. Freeze. In the in highest grossing movie of this year. <laughs> well, no, Batman Forever oh, was no, this we, year. Batman yes, and Robin Batman is 97. Yeah, but wow. yes, it's also funny that this com- this episode came out the year of Batman Forever, even though this is more based on the Tim Burton experience of Batman of making Batman films, not really is. the Schumacher ones, though the director in this is clearly I, I want to like, dig right. that up and do like a little podcasty documentary of like, when it was announced Tim Burton was doing a Batman and wouldn't be using Adam West, mm-hmm. what was to, eventually to be the internet went fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. They like, went how crazy dare you? It. How dare you recast Batman? Warner yeah. executives were so mad. They weren't sure you could make a non-campy Batman yeah. that they made an internal video with uh, all the people on the production, including Tim Burton and Bob Kane, the creator mm-hmm. of Batman. Hey, where's your and, boy Bill? And they're all on camera saying like, no, it's okay that it's dark. Batman's more than Adam West. It mm-hmm. really is. Please believe us. Don't cut funding from this movie. That's how desperate they were to prove you can make a Batman that isn't campy. So much so that the DC had run away from Batman being a campy character a in long 66 time ago. for a long time. Only recently did they re-embrace 66 Batman. <laughs> so they had the but, rights. They got the rights <laughs> back. But it's it's great because it allowed the Adam West to celebrate it just a little bit more before we lost. Yeah. Speaking Warner of 4K, must- Cesar Romero's mustache in 4K <laughs> under oh, that yeah. paint. Well, I'd like to think they- that's where the reference comes from. Mm. Romero himself... Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, a closeted gay man. Yes, and yeah. I, I will. I'll, I'll well, they filmed it. the movie. Uh, they filmed the show on film, so it looks incredible. I have the Blu-rays that I bought when Adam yes. West died, and like 
little bit of marijuana, I can disappear in like an entire disc of that shit. Especially if Catwoman's around. Oh, I love it so much. Uh, but a quick history on Radioactive Man. First appearance was in Bart the Genius mm-hmm. in the second episode of the series. And much like Krusty, he was envisioned as a hero for Bart who is similar to Homer, but Bart doesn't realize it. Another, he is a radioactive man like Homer who works <laughs> at the nuclear power plant. Wow. And his costume is an inverse of Homer's stubble. It is his mouth huh. is meant to be That's the stubble, right, yeah. and his head is supposed to be shaped like the bald head it's, of Homer. All that shit is far more clever than I ever would have imagined. And I said this in Three Men in a Comic Book. I will say this again. Mm-hmm. You have to read the original Radioactive <laughs> Man comics that Bongo Comics published in 1994 and 1995. It is collected in a hardcover that is all the Radioactive Man comics they did. Some are funny after 95 but the ones from 94 95 by steve vance cindy vance and bill morrison are some of my favorite they're the best simpsons comics ever because they are a total mind fuck in that <laughs> they they're six issues but they are published in radioactive man number one and then the next issue of Radioactive Man 62, and then Radioactive huh. Man 200, yeah. up to Radioactive Man 1000, and each perfectly, and I mean perfectly, parodies and encapsulates the art style of the time it was supposed to come out. The 1950s issue works just like a 1950s Superman comic. The 1960s issue is just like a Marvel Silver Age comic. The 70s one is just like a Dennis O'Neill and Neil Adams Green Lantern Green Arrow comic. It's down to the camera angles and line weight. The next one is a parody of Uncanny X-Men and the Dark Phoenix Saga perfectly. The next one is a Dark Knight Return and Watchmen parody down to the panel. And best of all, the one after that is the 90s parody of Spawn number one. (laughs) And it gets all the bad Spawn art. They're like, here's the terrible panel layout that Todd McFarlane did in Spawn. I have to go back to these. I was not into superheroes as a kid or now, but I know a lot about them just through friends. Now I want to go back because I like these as a kid because it was like owning a piece of the Simpsons universe. Like This is the same comic Bart would want or buy. They are Mm -hmm. comics that were read in universe by the people of Springfield. There's also ads. There's fake ads in it. In the 70s one, there is a fake ad for Radioactive Man 3 the movie starring Troy McClure as Radioactive Man and he's holding Richard Pryor. It is the the Superman 3 cover. That's awesome. And we should not forget... Uh, Radioactive Man is the star of possibly the worst Simpsons game. Bart yes. meets Radioactive yeah. Man. It's real fucking bad. And that's saying something to be I've, the worst Simpsons game. I've never seen him. I'm, I cannot get <laughs> and, that far. You have to and, beat, at least beat level one. Try. <laughs> and I'll just say it on this podcast. I want to interview Steve Vance just about these Radioactive Man comics. So he did yeah. a ton of other great comics. And also in the Radioactive Man comics, a long-running joke in it is about r- the Red Menace and Republicans, inclu- especially Richard Nixon, chasing down socialists in America and is about the destruction of socialism <laughs> in America. I had Steve uh-huh. Vance on Twitter confirm to me really? that he was putting socialist messaging in the comics. Oh, that's like, awesome. Yeah. I saw the uh, the Marxist itchy and scratchy panels yes, he posted. Yeah, and he, uh, or he was joking to me. Uh-huh. I really want to interview Steve Vance about this stuff. And lastly, in that comic, it 
it ends the the original run ends with richard nixon's head in a jar being reanimated so <laughs> oh. i don't know mac raining did you did you get an idea for yeah, that? the har- hardcover is still available on amazon it's worth nice. every penny 22 it has, bucks so in that collection is every radioactive man comic they did so they did a ton of like backup issues and stories with radioactive man as well that were also in the same style as oh this is radioactive man 300 they even do recreate the fake issue that was in three men in a comic book of when uh <laughs> the imaginary tale when radioactive man marries larva girl all they right. do that comic as a comic wow. so that's all in there totally worth Dude, it these covers are hilarious <laughs> fallout boy yeah. holding yes <laughs> holding but radioactive man like there was Robin. never a radiation dude no comic. there there was not yes and this this episode was produced actually right after the comic book boom busted mm. but that's why there's so many comics on the newsstands in springfield oh, all these new superheroes suck None of them can hold a candle to Radioactive Man. The only decent new one is Radiation Dude. Nah, he's just a cheap imitation of Radioactive Man. Explain! The similarities are subtle, but many. For example, Radioactive Man has his famous catchphrase, Up! And Adam, with Adam spelled A-T-O-M in a delicious pun. Go on. <laughs> a radiation dude has a similar but lamer catchphrase. Up and let's go. So you kids fancy yourselves experts, eh? Well... Between us, we've read all 814 issues of Radioactive Man. Yeah, and we both have a special limited edition issue where he and Fallout Boy get killed on every page. <laughs> well, I suppose you know then that Hollywood is planning a feature film about Radioactive Man. <gasps> I have got to do something about that air conditioner suction. That's great. Yeah, they're, they're great. mysteriously wearing hats at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. I was like, oh, that joke is coming up. <laughs> Until the commentary, I didn't get the Man Boy joke as a ah. kid. I thought it was just another cover. It is... It is a gay magazine on Misplaced. the rest. Oh, Misplaced. I thought it was a reference to the people who were reading comic books who would care about I, these references. I guess it's both that, but no, I think it's supposed to be a gay magazine. Yeah. And uh, the reference to... While I love M- Millhouse's go on. I'm still not convinced. <laughs> and the reference... you, you wish you had a friend who talked to you like that. <laughs> Explain. Expl- please, man, explain this to me. <laughs> and the issue where they die in every page is obviously a reference to the death of Superman <laughs> yes. comic. But more so that it wasn't just that it was the death of Superman. It was that each page was a splash page, which they never did in comics then. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. so that's why the every page reference is extra deep there. And then that spawned like six new comics for each superhero superman yep. replacements yeah the people i've seen uh, the argument made that that's what killed the comic boom including by a gross dude who made a video with his famous friends anyway <laughs> uh but the argument was that people thought superman was really dead though comic fans knew oh yeah, oh, yeah he's coming back but people bought those comics thinking this is the death of Superman. He's never coming back. And so I better read this. I better buy this comic and collect it. When he came back for the dead, and not only that, but they created four more Supermen to make you buy more comic books. <laughs> I think they also bought it thinking people off. it'll be worth money. Exactly, yeah. But it's like, no, they made enough for everyone to buy. They will never... I mean, you, I'm sure it's like has a has a street value of like, what, a nickel, a penny, a <laughs> yeah. dime? I mean, it's if you still, $2. If you still got it in the bag with the black armband, I bet you get 10 bucks okay. on eBay. I was, I was already a Marvel guy at this point. This, mm. this just got me back over to DC. Oh, really? The mm-hmm. death of Superman did? Yeah. It, I was reading... I started reading DC because of the death of Superman. So, hey, it worked on me. I started with Superman. Oh, really? My, I, wow. And every I was a Spider-Man like, guy. Only in TV was Batman like my first hero. Wow. Um, but yeah, Superman. And the uh, hats flying up is one so of the good. best jokes in the show. And then we get to just lovely twice. <laughs> those toaster screensavers. Uh, uh, yeah. Flying this, toaster. This stuff here with comic book guy also was 
very real to me because in the 90s, you mm-hmm. kids don't know this, but at the comic book store, if you were a kid, you probably didn't have the internet. Mm-hmm. Your comic st- shop owner was one of the first horrible nerds on the yes. internet, so they had all the all secrets. All the info, including like, prints. Oh, you know, <laughs> yes, but they would, your comic store owner would totally yeah. say, you know, I heard uh, this is coming up soon. It's just because they read a, a, an alt.tv.simpsons that yeah. you couldn't read. I was a big Usenet user in mm-hmm. the late 90s, a few years after this, and uh, I got to say, uh, alt.nerd.obsessive is not a real news group, but there are several real news <laughs> groups on his computer including alt.pictures.binary.erotica that I went to plenty of times <laughs> okay. let me tell you that's the wild west for porn well look I didn't have as good internet when I finally got it I was more te- uh, alttext.sex.repository.com I, I was which, a prodigy baby you make me feel <laughs> real I, it was easier to download and delete erotica than photographs yeah. from it so I, I went with I usually let this jpeg text. download overnight <laughs> I was a big user of rec.arts.mst3k. Wait, <laughs> rec.arts.tv.mst3k misc. It that's, was the biggest like fan group for M- Misties online that's, for a while. That's, that might be what got me online. Yeah. Science Theater. Uh, yeah, Simpson fans, MST3k fans, the first fans on the internet after Star Trek, I would bet. I love the waddle to the computer as well from <laughs> him here. Who's going to play Radioactive Man? I will tell you in exactly seven minutes. Huh. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Need no star. RM pick. Uh, yes, his flying toasters. It's from the After Dark collection Ooh. of PC screensavers Ooh. that you paid Were for. Were those exciting to you go by? Forty dollars screensavers. Can you uh, when those went it? out of fashion, so did CompuServe. <laughs> like they- my first screensaver I actually remember loving was it was a free download off of. Uh, the Garfield web page of the Garfield screensaver <laughs> where it would be all black and then Garfield would open the refrigerator to get food and then it go back to black. Uh, and open the I just remember them being there. They were kind of the first things to get kids excited about computers because we all knew it could mm-hmm. play video games, but you couldn't really cue a cartoon yourself. Mm-hmm. Whereas you get the screensaver collection of like 90 screensavers. What is the fishbowl one do? I gotta know. <laughs> gotta go, go, setting. go back to the spaceship one. It's way cooler. We would just fixate on these things for hours in the early 90s. Speaking of MST3K, one of the ones I had on my computer was, or my family's computer was, the official movie mm. screensaver. That I includes I too. It includes the, a rock version of the song that was never in the movie. Yeah, it's and also soundtrack. like six clips from the movie, which whenever they come up in the movie, my, my brain does a weird thing. It's like, I've heard that clip a million times on my yeah. screensaver. I'm not an alien. Uh, (laughs) I'm not an alien. (laughs) I had that same... Yeah, I did that too. I also... Well, I've said this 800 times on this podcast, but Mitchell. 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 They were every sound my computer could make for a certain time was was Mitchell. Mitchell. Uh, But I I feel like this... New Thanksgiving tradition. I felt like this was a aim at alt.tv.simpsons Oh, for sure. This is maybe the first time on the show they did that. That Patreon interview with... Bill Oakley, it was the deco out to everybody. Yeah, yeah. That he talks about, he was aware of the internet, like while he was working on the show. And I think what, him and Josh, probably the only ones. Yeah, they would come yeah. in and they would they would print out the reviews of the show from alt.tv.simpsons and oh, show them like, to the writers. Like they're the president. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, do it. can't go without it for one episode. The Simpsons will be right back.
Jiminy Jillikers Radioactive Man, this has been a great month for Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Not only did we have our first ever live shows as part of SF Sketchfest, not only did we get to interview Dana Gould, a writer for the show and an incredibly accomplished stand-up comedian, but we also hit one of our funding goals. Now we make enough a month that Bob and I can justify doing another animation podcast weekly, which we'll be making available soon. We just got to get all our ducks in a row, and we're going to be starting a new Patreon-exclusive podcast, Futurama! We are going to be doing the entire first season of Futurama in Talking Simpsons style, and it will be available exclusively on Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. How do you get your hands on all of that podcast goodness, as well as all the other amazing extras we have on the Patreon? Just give us $5 a month or more, and you can get access to all of that. You'll get a special RSS feed that lets you download those podcasts and your podcatcher apps. So many more awesome awesome things there, including our complete series of Talking Critic, where we went through every episode of The Critic. All of that and more is at patreon.com slash talkingsimpsons. Hey, we want to thank everybody who came to our live shows. They were so much fun that we hope to do another one sooner than you think. But you know, it's a cool thing to wear to a live show if you ever get to go to one. A Talking Simpsons t-shirt. We have them, and you should have them too. The Talking Simpsons t-shirt is available at ShirtSickle. That's ShirtSickle like Popsicle. You can go either to ShirtSickle.com and look up the Talking Simpsons t-shirt, or go to tiny.cc slash talking shirt and you will find a link to it there. It's designed in the style of Ion Springfield by the wonderful friend of the show, Nina Matsumoto, in a wonderful sky blue design. I think it's definitely worth the $19.99 that it costs at the base level. It comes in multiple different sizes and styles and ships relatively internationally. That's tiny.cc slash talking shirt. Hey, this is Sideshow Luke Perry. You're listening to Talking Simpsons on Laser Time. Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show 30, 20, 10. Here's a clip from 1987. I love obscure, dumb, forgotten Christmas specials. Yes, so I saved this for last because, Chris, I want you to talk. Do you know about Santa Bear's High Flying Adventure? No. Okay. No. Oh, man. Uh, aired on CBS, it's a sequel to Santa Bear's First Christmas uh, and the Dayton Hudson Corporation, which... Uh, I love it when a corporation brings me something. I'm going to assume they are a maker of fine epoxies. <laughs> just, just something really boring. And, and the, I'm sure the special has a lot of great things about how glue is a great Christmas gift. Uh, it features the voices of Kelly McGillis, because it's 1987, right. uh, Bobby McFerrin, oh boy. John Malkovich as Santa Claus. What? He's all over the place. Oh my God. And Dennis Hopper. No. I need to deliver toys. Dude, you're not far <laughs> off. We're going to play a clip from it in just a second. Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on LazerTimePodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. As a kid, uh, the prince didn't read as prince to me in the first shot. It's like not 
It didn't feel but like how you would draw that. Prince. What, I guess is, is, is Prince is just like, like a non sequitur? Isn't like, it weird that yeah. such a famous person would be on the internet? Okay. Maybe that, that that could be. I just didn't know if Prince had an early web presence. Or I, mm. I, I did. Speaking of early web presence, I forgot to mention this in our very long Who Shot Mr. Burns. Mm-hmm. I didn't mention that they opened Springfield.com up for Who Shot Mr. Oh, Burns. Oh, yeah. And they got half a million hits almost immediately. It was one of the most popular websites on the internet. And what then. happens when you go there now? Now. I don't know. Uh, let's look it up. And nothing. Nothing, <laughs> nothing happens. Exactly. Not even a 401 or whatever. Just I, like. I, I mentioned the Prince thing because Prince. It, it, okay, never mind. This is not important. But remember, like, look up the video for Bat Dance. Mm-hmm. And maybe now oh. that he's dead, you'll be able to find it. But he scrubbed the whole world of his he music. He hated the internet. Yeah, he it's... eventually hated the internet. I just don't. I, I wasn't into Prince in 1995. Well, I'm, I'm wondering the Batman connection here. Maybe that's why they had That's Prince why I felt like okay he... bringing them. Oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, but yes, then we travel across the internet to see the uh, man hiding this is, under the Hollywood. This is the internet. It's, it, it, even for me, it's difficult to imagine the internet pre-Google. And that's mm. what this is. as if everything operates on like a group of Harry Knowles and Ada Cool News. Yeah. Do you remember competing search engines? Yes. Alta Vista, baby. Why did yeah, I have the best porn results? Uh, I I I, yeah, Alta Vista is the best. Actually, uh, God, this is a, this is a digression. But at our last job, uh, a new boss came in, and oh, no. uh, oh, he no. had worked at oh, Yahoo, no. and they were talking him up like he's oh. going to save our company, guys. He was at Yahoo. He was at Yahoo. Everyone, you, everyone had the front page of Yahoo as their homepage all the time. Am I right? Like, yeah, like 1997, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I can't oh. believe they tried to. <laughs> Peddle oh, that lie. And we just had to be silent like, mm-hmm. wow, I've heard of Yahoo. He was king shit at Lycos. Uh, <laughs> all right, so then we get to the casting chat of, of Radioactive Man. And like we said earlier, in real life, Tim Burton had to work very hard to convince Warner to let him make a serious, though if you've seen this film, and the world, there's, there are news articles about people being upset about yeah. the potential recasting of to, Batman. To them, Batman is only a joke. And it's not funny to see... The Batman has become so serious mm-hmm. that they can make a Lego Batman movie that is all about mocking Batman again. <laughs> where we live now, specifically the Nolan film. Yeah, yes. where we live now, Warner Brothers officially made its own Naked Gun movie. Yeah. I am astonished by that. I I finally watched it over the break. It's fantastic. It's it's a laugh a second. Yeah. It's so it's so that Superman is his ultimate mm-hmm. enemy, and and Joker's like, what about me? Like, <laughs> we're not anything. <laughs> I don't see why Rainier Wolfcastle should be the star. I think we should bring back Dirk Richter. Hmm. Kids will want to see the original Radioactive Man. I keep telling you, he's 73 years old and he's dead. (laughs) Granted, but... Besides, we want to stay as far away from the campy 70s version as possible. Billowing backpacks, Radioactive Man! It's the worst villain of them all! The Scoutmaster! I see him, Fallout Boy. Go get him, Scouts! Let's just dance along to this song. Borts. Condensed. This this is not a bad parody of the Adam West yeah. Batman show. Of course, and Sna are in there. Paul Lind is playing into the stereotype of Scoutmasters. Scoutmasters, <laughs> as Norm Macdonald would say, a homosexual pedophile. <laughs> Easy. We got in a ton of trouble for saying that, apparently. Yeah. Oh, really? That's Norm Macdonald's joke. Well, it's a quote. You're quoting Norm Macdonald. But, but that is the joke. Why would yeah. a super gay man the be a joke Scoutmaster? Is, yes, but it's also just the campiness of it and that on 
Batman 66, but w- which one thing there, they say the campy 70s version, the show is a 60s show. The, mm-hmm. the campy 70s DC show is Wonder Woman. Yeah. But anyway, in 66, Batman 66, super campy. Mm-hmm. And the I was surprised Paul Lynn never was a guest on the show because it was a big deal to have guys like Vincent Price on as villains like Egghead. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I fell down a, like a rabbit hole of... Paul Lynn drunk on Hollywood Squares <laughs> clips because that's what I got. I mean, I mean, you could tell he's drunk, but Gilbert Gottfried was on Hollywood Squares for a long time, mm-hmm. and people who had worked on the show in the seventies would tell him all these stories of Paul Lynn just being oh, fucking smashed. Oh, and one time he was just drunk off his ass backstage, going, "The fucking Jews ruined my career." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like apparently he wasn't. A, he was. A, he didn't Don't like the Jews. To use you, oh, Mr. Yes, uh, I, most of his jokes on camera are just about like. I'd like to have a sleepover with Burt Reynolds. Well, we were, we, I remember a long time ago, Henry and I and someone else uh, were talking about doing a, a, an episode about secret gays. Mm. Where, like, gays in society weren't totally embraced, yet people like Paul Lind... Charles Nelson Riley, The world loved them. And, yeah, like, yeah. He, he is not even being shy about it. This is not a Waylon Smithers is he or isn't he. He's being... The clip I well, have. What of he him. never said was, "I am gay." Yeah, he never said, "I am a gay man." Like, just this. What? It's one line. He does it just like the scoutmaster. Colin, for five hundred dollars, false, true or false? There is now a travel agency that specializes in nude cruises to Europe. <laughs> I'm better on how they pick the captain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. And I think he's the basis for a Roger on American Dad. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a him and Charles Nelson Riley, the lesser known Paul Lind. Yeah, uh, that reminds me of Alec Baldwin. The best thing he ever did on SNL was playing Charles Nelson Riley on Inside oh, the Actors Studio. That's right. In case you want to know how close that was to the real Batman 66. Surf music, baby. Here is a random fight scene <laughs> from a Batman Season 2 episode. Vladimir Putin! Hey, you wouldn't hit a man with glasses, would you? You're not wearing glasses. Oh, I'm not? Oh, Zowie! Yeah, off, <laughs> uh, that I was forgot. I assume the sound effects censored the violence, but it happens after the punch. It it's does. like in the Simpsons parody, which is a good, uh, good observation. Yeah, uh, it was well. a humorous way on the show to do live-action comic book sound effects. That's why they would do it. And if, in I case, make, if I can make my once-per-show Mr. Show <laughs> reference, it's the basis for taint. Yeah. Oh it's, yeah, that's it's right. A transition for taint. So in case you do, in case you forgot, Dirk Richter died in a bullet ridden, <laughs> a bullet riddled bordello. Yes, <laughs> Dirk Richter was a beautiful man. Can't you vultures leave him alone? Buddy yeah. Hodges would not appear in Radioactive Man. I love that bit of continuity. Yeah, they, yeah. they care. I keep telling you, he's seventy three years old and he's dead. Though also, I love though, that Hank Azaria voice for this episode. By the way, yes. it's weird that they're not. They're not guest voices. It's Dan Castellaneta yeah. and Hank Azaria doing the two Hollywood guys. Yeah. But the Dirk Richter, though, in Three Men in a Comic Book, when they showed it, it was much more the George Reeves Superman 50s. black and white in yeah. the 50s so much. Uh, also than, dying in disgrace. Yes, yes mm-hmm. yeah. He Though he killed himself, maybe? Maybe? It's a, it's a mystery with George Reeves. Watch Ben Affleck in his best superhero role <laughs> in Hollywood Land. <laughs> it really is. That movie's great. So as a kid, I also laughed at the continuity real hard at seeing mm-hmm. Bort and Snu reappear. Yeah, Snu's a deep cut. It goes from uh, Marge vs. Itchy and Scratchy, right? Yep. Yeah. Springfieldians for non-violence in 
un- oh man Springfielders for nonviolence understanding and helping okay, uh, okay. thank you thank you Chris uh, and yes Bort of course I also laughed pretty hard at Newt and Mint yeah. Mint really made me <laughs> giggle quite Newt a lot. felt very topical to me <laughs> and also just the animation just the get I giggle so much at yes. the animation of the, the especially radioactive man doing the yeah. monkey and one of the scoutmaster's henchmen just like his arms moving side to side jerkily Caesar Romero was the gay villain yet every single villain in Batman is way gayer than him they're most yeah they're all I mean the Joker like woo the, the, the Riddler holy shit the Riddler was cooler than Joker like they yeah. did Riddler first the, the man who played the Riddler Frank Gorshin, Gorshin. he was the biggest star of, was. of the first season, really. And another unconfirmed uh, Gilbert Gottfried story that he tells repeatedly about oh, Cesar Romero. He says that all the time. Every podcast, he brings up the fact, if it comes in the conversation, he brings up the fact that uh, allegedly Cesar Romero would pay <laughs> young men to throw orange slices against his bare ass. Yes. Uh, it's, it's never fun, been confirmed. It's on. never been confirmed. I'm sure it is, but <laughs> I, it needs to be confirmed. I don't like to eat my citrus. <laughs> all right, so they decide where they're going to film this movie. So where can we shoot this picture? We need a city that has a nuclear reactor and a gorge and can guarantee us the full cooperation of city officials. I'll check variety. Wow. Look at that ad. (laughs) All right, this place must be hot. They don't need a big ad or even correct spelling. I agree with that logic. Give me two plane tickets to the state that Springfield is in. I agree with that there's, logic. There's an alarming amount of continuity in that one there, scene. There is, yeah. yeah. I love it. And Flim Springfield, quite yeah. an advertisement. <laughs> I just love that Flim Springfield. And it, it, I don't know. It's not unlike um, Atlanta, the way we've seen Atlanta explode. That was the yeah. biggest city close it's to me growing up. It's a tax shelter. It is a tax shelter, but it's where Marvel shoots everything. And mm-hmm. Again, a shout out to Baby Driver, one of my favorite movies of the year that I didn't get in the best of that I've watched again. They just made Edgar Wright shoot in Atlanta. He's like, oh, I'll just change all the locations to Atlanta locations and yeah. streets. And it's this little celebration of Atlanta. I think he fell in love with Atlanta because he was going to film Ant-Man there and then he mm-hmm. didn't make Ant-Man. But yeah, it, was was for, it was written for LA. There. I also love... Well, okay, this speaking of Ant-Man and big budget movies... Thirty million dollars is all their budget for wow. Radioactive Man, which like that's astounding. You, that's like that's Jonah Hex budget, right? That's a small make, comedy. <laughs> you can make ten minutes, five <laughs> minutes of Marvel Infinity War with thirty million. Now, what what are the budgets on those movies? I don't remember. I mean, they're over two hundred million. Yeah, they don't yeah. talk about it anymore because if you include the marketing of it, the mm-hmm. idea that like how the fuck is Daisy Ridley on every channel right now? Yes. How did you get her all over the world? I love for Star Wars when you get double ads. You're like, well, this is a car commercial, but also, also Star, Star Wars. Wars, the official car. Of Rogue One. Yeah, I was just walking by the airport, like the fucking Delta Skyline Mall, and like, why is Darth Maul behind this glass door? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, God. and it's also something though why movies like Justice League. Mm. Can I make just got my phone. Million dollars, and they're like, "Man, didn't make it's a, it's, it's a not good enough." Yeah. No. At a certain point in time, I think like everyone knew what movies cost. They would be like yeah. publicized, like this was an eighty million dollar movie or hundred dollar hundred million dollar movie. Pretty notorious movie. We can mention later on. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes, we will. But that's when people freaked out. Like Titanic cost a hundred million dollars. It'll yeah. never make it back. <laughs> Shows you they didn't know the king of the world was. Uh, didn't either. That guy's always. I, I, oh, I keep telling him, don't do those Avatar sequels. Just walk away. Just walk away right now. Don't do it. And he, I'm wrong every time. <laughs> so this may be my line of the show. I, I don't know. Well, let's let's play it and see what you guys think. <laughs> I like it. Students, I have an announcement. One of your favorite comic book heroes, Radio Man. Radioactive Man, stupid. Strange. I 
Shouldn't have been able to hear that. <laughs> anyway, uh, Hollywood Studio has decided to film the Radioactive Man movie here in Springfield. Yay! And they will be holding auditions to find a local youngster to play Fallout Boy. <gasps> oh, and the air conditioner will be fixed this afternoon. So I do enjoy the Skinner's yes. uh, reaction yes. to that. I shouldn't have been able to hear that. I don't think the air conditioner the air conditioner joke doesn't work without the second without the callback yeah. in the first act. It's seeing all those hats fly mm-hmm. off is quite great. Yeah, but I just, is, almost everyone is wearing a hat in that scene. I love that Skinner's like, I shouldn't have been able to hear that. He just rules <laughs> with it. Just uh, moving on. <laughs> so the casting of Fallout Boy, I think, is also based on a real-world Batman event, which was... In 1992, for a long time, the rumor was in Batman Returns they were going to have Robin. In, oh, I didn't. Re- oh, yeah. And that Robin was going to be played by Marlon Wayans. No way! People. Really? He, he oh my was God. Tim Burton's pick for Robin, but they didn't do it, and so they were going to save it for Tim Burton's third Batman film, which for a time he was still going to direct the third mm-hmm. Batman film. He did not. He leaves the project, though he's still a credited producer on it, and Joel Schumacher would take over, and it would actually come out the summer before this episode aired. But I found out from this that not only did Schumacher replace Marlon Wayans with his favorite twink, Chris O'Donnell, (laughs) but also that Marlon Wayans, thanks to his deal, he gets residuals for Batman Forever. Because they officially had signed him up for the film to be Robin, that if he wasn't Robin, he still got money for it. So Marlon Wayans made money off of Batman Forever. Was America ready for a black Robin? Can you you imagine now how people freak out on Twitter about a black oh, yeah. recasting a black Robin in 1992 even though there's been like 90 Robins not one of them black <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I guess and in 1992 everybody's like well yeah Robin is Dick Grayson even though if you're reading the comics all the time Robin the was actually the always, third guy the always finds new ways to disappoint me <laughs> in this episode Fallout Boy had been featured in other ones but this is the Fallout Boy episode and I never listened to the. I can't name I a was, song by the band Fallout Boy. I'm not even that old. I feel like I'm, I'm too old to have ever um, liked Fallout Boy. I know one. Uh, the theme from SSX3. Uh, I, I don't. I'm guessing. I'm just guessing. That's probably likely. I mean, <laughs> they they were named by a fan. I think that's, yes, that's how they, they were named Fallout Boy. A, a Simpsons reference, but uh, yeah, Fallout Boy is a clever reference, though. Of course, to nuclear fallout. Right. It, it fits with the nuclear theme and. Uh, then in a very random scene, we find out that Mo is at least 70 years old. Yeah. Wow. You mean you were one of the original little rascals? Yeah. Which one were you? The ugly one? Were you the ugly one? No, I was the tough kid. Smelly. <laughs> My stick was looking into an exhaust pipe and getting a face full of soot. <laughs> Nobody could do that better than me. Of course, it was kind of hard to think of reasons for me to look in that exhaust pipe every time, but, you know, we had good writers. William Faulkner could write an exhaust pipe gag that would really make you think. If you were such a big shot, why aren't you still making movies? Mo? <laughs> oh, no, my favorite Aggie! <gasps> Luckily, Alfalfa was an orphan owned by the studio. Oh, I see. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, so, so, okay, so much to unpack. The William Fogger uh, thing is great because 
Winning the Nobel uh, Prize in Literature was not paying the bills. Yep. Writing The Sound and the Fury was not paying the bills. He had to be a miserable staff writer for Hollywood Studios yep. for 30 years. And Uncredited. He became a, and he became a miserable drunk, just mm-hmm. like a fucking nightmare drunk. The best depiction of that is in Barton Fink. That's right. John, John Mahoney, Mahoney plays a William Faulkner type. Yeah. I, I love, but except all he can write plays about fishmongers. Yeah. But <laughs> I love when in that, in. In Barton Fink, when he's watching the wrestling movie clips of like, I will destroy you. I will. Oh, such beautiful scene. And, and but- Augie's a marble. Carl Schweitzer played Alfalfa, and I wish he died. That, that's less tragic. Than <laughs> oh, I read really, about that. It's, he it's really went. Terrible. Yeah. That is also the real arguing music from Hal Roach's uh, Little music. Rascals, which I think is public domain, which is why you can hear it while you name yourself an Earthbound. Like, <laughs> uh, they could afford that music, though, too. I... I also think, though, that was a reference to Robert Blake being in Our Gang shorts as well. Okay. He was Ricky in oh later God, ones. Not he? In the post-Hal Roach era, Robert Blake first played a child in it by, like, the third alfalfa, basically. Yeah. Like, child actors seem to have... I think that stereotype's almost gone. Like, <laughs> child actors have a lot... <laughs> seem to be surviving a lot uh, more. In but the post-Culkin period, yes. The po- yeah. How's, how's Culkin still sticking around, man? I don't know. He, he, he only looks like a heroin, heroin addict. He really, <laughs> I feel like he's going to die one day and we'll be like, oh yeah, of course it was heroin. Like, oh, he's doing heroinology report. Yeah. Uh, but that now that joke's even darker when you think of like, is this a Robert Blake reference? The the man who murdered his wife? And I was like, but, well, mm-hmm. no, I didn't. Mo is uh, now in his 70s at this point in the show. Yes. And it's weird because I was just watching a season 18 episode and I don't like when they do this, by the way, but it's like, no, all the characters are the same age. They all went to the same school together. Hate they all that. experienced the hate same that. things at the same times. I like that it's kind of a little archy thing, yeah. but it, I hate that they like, oh yeah, they all went to school. Cookie Kwan went to the same um, a camp as them in yeah. the 60s. Like, I'd rather I, I prefer the more Oakley and Weinstein observational thing where it's like in uh, Mother Simpson, Chief Wiggum is not the same age as Homer. Chief Wiggum is in high school while Homer is a little kid. So yeah. it's like they're different ages. He's like 50. He's yeah. an older dad. I like how easily it's passed over that Moe's like, oh yeah, I beat to death another kid and I don't even care. <laughs> I killed him. Like the look on the look on Moe's face when they say, I, this is the first time I noticed it, when they say, you've killed the original Alpha Alpha. Moe's look on his face is like, he deserved it. He yeah. stole my joke of like, you murdered someone, Mo. It's just it's a kickoff to like all this inside baseball <laughs> about it's, Hollywood. It's, the Simpsons doesn't always go this close this to. This is what sitcoms love when they can have a movie production come to town so they can do all the L.A. and Hollywood jokes they love so much. Did you guys ever watch Our Gang or Little yes, Rascals or whatever? Absolutely All not. the time. I watched Little Rascals, the 90s movie uh, of the Little Rascals. Also but, featured in Baby Driver. But it was. But <laughs> what? I, you are so beautiful. Okay, that that's right. They're real fast. I, I watched... I, uh, was I was TNT just, or yeah? That's, I was just talking about it with my dad oh, the because worst. we were watching The Grinch and just the idea that like that the kids didn't have three hours to themselves and like and Turner was like fuck that shit here is a giant block of stuff just for kids <laughs> like three stooges it, it meant yeah. Looney Tunes and Ant you know then then down to Ant in the Yardvark and the three it's right stooges there on your and floor, I'm going to burn that Remastered. Blu-ray. It's been here for months. You're free to burn it. Yeah, okay. I know you'd love a copy. Oh, God. No. No, I'm not with fire. Copy fire. my savoir faire is uh, everywhere. Uh. I like the gag, though, of the uh, 
I think of Little Rascals as bottom of the barrel, and I love the joke in Homer the Smithers of Marge saying that Homer's up at 6 a.m. to watch the Little Rascals, because <laughs> yeah. that's when you dump shit. You're yeah. like, well, this will fill time at 6 a.m. Well, it also wasn't like half an hour, so it fit snugly in between cartoons, uh, so it, it played I, a lot on Turner. I'd seen it packaged as like 30-minute collections mm-hmm. or however they could get it into Because they were mostly always shorts. Mm-hmm. But uh, but also, Barney talking over Mo, remembering like, Mo, Mo. I love every joke dealing with the reality of someone having a flashback that the audience is seeing. <laughs> yes. Well, that's that's the kind of joke you don't really get until the Simpsons' seventh season, where they're mm-hmm. just talking about the vessel for the joke. <laughs> uh, and also, though, this episode, when they do the, the opening bit there yeah. of everyone, they reuse every talk show they ever had on the show. Including yes. Conan. Conan, Conan, Brad Goodman, Birch Barlow, and Hear Me Roar, the network for women. <laughs> they also have that in the background, too, from Lisa versus such the odd, Homer versus they come in. It's such an odd thing to do, and I really feel like it was cut out in syndication, just because I, I, I don't remember that as well as I remember the rest of the episode. Yeah, it's it's kind of a nothing. I mean, it's a cute joke, especially like, yeah, like yeah. one extra, but... Doesn't really. It isn't particularly needed. I also love the headline, the bad headline joke of who will be Fallout Boy? Who will be Fallout Boy? Where is Diana to judge this headline? <laughs> <laughs> She's great. You should follow guest of the show, Lay Cine Nerd, on Twitter. I wish she was here, but I can kind of make her proud because this. I can't think of an actual example of this because that's what, uh, one of the reasons I think it's a great episode because it mm. is tailored around like they're casting a nobody to be in your favorite thing and how mm. cool that would be if you were a kid and had that opportunity and I was trying to think about a big budget movie that like publicly cast a nobody and I can only think about because I listen to you must remember this a fantastic old oh, Hollywood yeah. mm. podcast about the story of Gene Seberg who won oh, I love Gene a Seberg. random person who won like a lead role in an auto premature movie and she became famous overnight before the movie was ever out wow. but it also meant because she was a nobody the director treated his star like total shit, and she oh, had no uh, nobody yeah. to go to bat for her ever. And if you ever see, just look up that clip, Joan of Arc, Gene Seberg, it like they just set her on fire. She is set on fire, and wow. they use it in the film because wow. something explodes in her face, and it's just a woman being hit with fire and like trying to, and she's in chains. God, My yeah. God! When you're done listening wow. to this, listen to uh, you must remember. It's this. really it's great. Good, yeah, well, I think it's Gene and Jane, Jane Fonda. Gene, yeah, yeah, the the blonde series. I have a uh, more recent example. It's not exactly plucked from obscurity, but uh, in the case of The Last Jedi, the actress okay. who plays Rose, yeah. she had been on the Comedy Bang Bang podcast. They talk about how she had one acting credit before being cast in The Last Jedi, the Comedy Bang Bang <laughs> TV show. And so it would always be like Kelly Marie Tran, then in parentheses, Comedy Bang Bang, because that was her only other credit. Really? Wow. And they tell a story Is of how they Tran? wanted to bring her back for a second episode mm-hmm. and her agent told them i'm sorry she's working on a movie and they joked in the writer's room like i bet it's a new star wars <laughs> and it was a new star and it was wars. A new star wars. Yeah, on the podcast you must remember this they re- they interviewed a, an actor or comedian who uh was up for that role i think it was lauren lapkus oh, and uh, okay. she didn't get the part i mean there's tons of people up for roles i listened to this pro wrestler podcast where They've talked like twice now of, I was auditioning for something I think was a Marvel movie, but I can't tell you if it was or not. Let's hear some of those Fallout Boy auditions. At last, the world is safe. A eh, Fallout Boy? What's for lunch tomorrow? Next. Chicken necks? We're never going to find 
Wait a minute. That child has the exact qualities we're looking for. He's perfect. What is his name? I don't know. He just came along with one of the others. He didn't sign up officially. Oh, forget him then. It wouldn't be fair to the other children who filled out their application forms in full. Uh... Next! At last the world is safe, eh, Fallout Boy? Watch out, radioactive man! Brilliant reading again. Watch out, radioactive man! Fantastic! One more time! Watch out, radioactive man! Congratulations, Bart Simpson! You're our new Fallout Boy! <gasps> That's what I'd be saying <laughs> to you if you weren't an inch too short. Next! <laughs> man, what a what an act break. Uh, Bart is triple screwed in this yeah. episode. I... Well, first off, I love that Doris Grau is the one doing that, or Lunch Lady Doris is, who is uh, two months away from passing. Away. Yes, uh, enjoy, enjoy it while she lasts, folks. Yeah, but so, I just love that gag that, like, the meta commentary is, obviously, the plot you write for an episode of The Simpsons is, Bart is cast in the Radioactive Man movie. Duh! That's what's supposed to happen. And three times in this episode, they're like, time to go the obvious thing. Yeah. Zag! Nope, not doing it. I can, I, if there was an internet that, uh, like this today, they'd be treating it like The Last Jedi. Yeah, How dare you yeah, do that? exactly. I fucking... I listened to a laser time, which we haven't recorded yet, but mm-hmm. I have a real theory on why people hate The Last Jedi mm. un, unfairly. Mm. It's, it's really good. But anyway, yeah, it's... I also love that gag that Dave Merkin... He's a guy who had made live action films and would actually leave The Simpsons to return to live action films, including Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. It's really a good. Film I love so much. He, I just love the commentary that you would. Oh, he didn't sign up officially. Then we can't cast him. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> and apparently Martin is the perfect fallout boy. There's so many movies stories of hearing like, oh, my friend auditioned and I came with him and they cast. It me. Wouldn't be fair to the other children. But this Man, time they're like, no, we got to be fair. Did remind me of that fucking scam and i'm sorry we're all off topic mm-hmm. this is a fun episode mm-hmm. this thing that would come to the local tallahassee civic center we're scouting for models just pay 30 dollars to come inside and i went with my girlfriend and some of her friends and it's just like this parade of crying women oh, and they, and they were just like trying to get and they were just trying to get validated and told they were pretty because there's like this fake shit like now you have to pay for an agent we happen to have one right here. And then <laughs> so you need we'll to sign up money. for this program. And like, yeah, no one got a fucking modeling job. Sorry, that uh, really infuriated me. I hope scam. they don't exist anymore. And I'm not, if it I wasn't, mean, now they're talent shows on You TV. assume that exists, but you also assume they wouldn't be advertised on network television and show up at the fucking Civic Center where Garth Brooks plays <laughs> and take up that much room. God. <laughs> but yeah, that is the ultimate David Merkin joke. Uh, yes. It's like, here's the exact thing you and Bart wants to hear. Yes. Actually, I meant the opposite. Goodbye. <laughs> Act break. Uh, yes. Is like that's what I'd be saying to you if like no like, one talks. No like one would that. talk like that. No yeah, human would say that. And also, yeah, yeah. It's it's also weird that uh, this is looking into the uh, the logic of this episode a little too closely. But they're filming in Springfield, but they also feel obligated to cast in Springfield at the same yes, time. Yeah, you would not cast in Springfield, but they want a local kid to play Fallout Boy, which would never happen. They wouldn't cast. They don't cast unknowns for Marvel movies. Yeah, that's except for, for sure. Todd, uh, Todd Holland. He was maybe he, maybe he had like a couple had credits, credits to him. Like nobody has no credits. So mm. actually, that's the behind the scenes scuttlebutt on Solo, yeah. the st- a Star Wars <laughs> film. Is that the guy oh, yeah. they played to play Han Solo? Oh, yeah. who they just act. hired him because Steven Spielberg's like this guy's good. On the set, they're like, this guy can't <laughs> act, man. Like, this guy sucks. Like, so Ron Howard saved the Grinch. He, oh, never mind. No, he can't save anything. I, God, that movie was on in a bar, and I was just like, this is the nightmare. How do, it's only be- it only looks better now because Cat in the Hat is much <laughs> yeah. worse. Speaking of Burton, it's like 
you wanted to be Tim Burton with this movie. It's like every angle's a Dutch angle, and yeah. like the production. Oh yeah, never mind. Let's right. to my Grinch podcast. <laughs> I like Bart with his growth chart. It's really cute. Him drawing over his hair, which had been done before in the Bert when it, it was his birth episode in the Timmy O'Toole down the well one. Mm-hmm. That's how Homer measures his height as well. He did grow half an inch in one day. Pretty yeah, good. Pretty good. Which is the same rate that Grandpa is shrinking. Which <laughs> Grandpa has never been that short before or since. His height is pretty constant, but. I like that. It's a nice visual gag. Then Bart has his ability to look fake tall, which is what real movie stars do when they're not tall, which most movie stars are not tall. So, yeah, Tom Cruise is always standing on an apple crate. Yes. Mm -hmm. That image, especially, I just saw it, it memified again. I was just looking for that. Robert De Niro, is he's making a new film (laughs) with Al Pacino. What is this movie? It's called The Irishman. Yeah. the next Scorsese He has a striped suit and lifts in his shoe and a a dog on a leash. It's like... It's it's beautiful. It's the most unbelievable thing The Simpsons has ever predicted. And I, De Niro. It's hard I mean, in a photograph for someone to look more ridiculous than Al Pacino, but he does it. <laughs> I refer to them by their new names, Dirty Grandpa and Dunkachino. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that they were uh, acti- uh, uh, acting gods. They're like, yeah. man, it's De Niro. I'm gonna uh, do well, De Niro. That's, what, that's what happened. We talked a little bit about with Jerry Lewis. They're a royalty that lived too long. <laughs> yeah, they, they both should have died in the 90s, man. They, no, the after uh, Casino. So then... Bart surely must be cast oh, as Fallout Boy God. now. Good news, gentlemen. I've grown that extra inch you wanted, plus several feet more. We found our new Fallout Boy! <gasps> and he's right over there. God damn it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, meet America's new Fallout Boy. Out of the way. Millhouse, baby! Lionel Hutz, your new agent, bodyguard, unauthorized biographer, and drug dealer. Keep her away. <laughs> We've heard you've become a star. We decided we better start living in the fast lane. What if I'm not a success? How will you pay for all this? I'm sorry, I can't hear you, son. I'm wearing a jacuzzi suit. Uh, the jacuzzi I, suit is awesome. Yeah, I think that's a sequel to Speak Up and Wearing a Towel. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, also, The Last Jedi literally has a jacuzzi suit in it. The second I saw Finn in oh, his outfit, I was like, yes, a jacuzzi suit. Exactly. That's... So I, I forget, I don't have this written down. Did we see Milhouse audition or? No. no. Okay. We, we do see him being taken to the audition by Luann, and she takes off his glasses right, and shows right. him his beautiful eyes, which yeah. that was not the first time he has been glassesless. Previously, in Bart the Murderer at the Chocolate mm-hmm. Factory, his glasses fall and he's like, my glasses. And they're just two dots. dots he like has no irises with them. The Akbar and Jeff uh, dots. Exactly. Which, this is a slight step up from two dots. You'd never see a character with two dots at this point in The Simpsons. It's too late like, It's too weird. It's too comic strippy. But, yes, Millhouse is immediately famous and already being destroyed. <laughs> just that introduction of like, here's the person who's famous now, destroy them like here they are <laughs> and he's that being he... chased and his parents have already sold him out and the Lionel Hutz wants to be the thing a famous person a famous child actor has an exploiter an immediate exploiter is like oh yeah I'm going to exploit everything about you and the I... parents too are just like yeah we're going to be rich now we're your parents we get all your money I'm sad we didn't get more of Lionel Hutz in this episode he's just there yeah. for that one line keep uh, her away I know we always mention Mr. Show every episode but the drug dealer keep her away does remind me of the uh pumpkin any sketch oh. of uh, the E-True Hollywood story. I'm just him saying, like, nobody told me the money would go away. 
the money, it's the money's fault. <laughs> uh, which made fun of Corey Feldman before he became just a sad, yeah. sad man. Okay, let's explain this line, which if there was, this is almost my line of the show, but I just love Bart's delivery on it. I just missed out on the greatest opportunity of my entire life. George Burns was right. Show business is a hideous bitch goddess. So Bob and I both did the same yeah. research on oh. this. Well, at Bob, we read the, the same Tumblr post that explained in three different reasons why this joke is funny. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it is a Bart should not know a George Burns quote offhand. Yes. Uh, B. George Burns would be funnier than just saying hideous bitch goddess. It'd be and like he, a George Burns style joke. And he loves Hollywood. Yeah. He, he loves show business. He would not say he hates it. He was in show business for 93 years, so we can assume he loves it. Also, it is a loosely based on a Tennessee Williams quote in which he called success a bitch goddess. Not a hideous bitch goddess, mm-hmm. but a bitch goddess. The quote is, understandable in onlooking citizens only as a symptom of the moral flabbiness born of the exclusive worship of the bitch goddess success uh-huh. and we missed this line earlier but as a kid in catholic school i love the i love the quote i can <laughs> i can suck up to him like the like the religious people suck up to god yes that is great <laughs> i was like that's so blasphemous i love it and that uh lisa's explanation of what bart being in the entourage would be is actually a complete reversal of bart's imagination of being a rock star in oh, the right. in uh the spinal tap episode he even throws a whiskey bottle at millhouse when he's Feeling blue Tell him in to slag his off. Tray. Slag off. It used to be about the music, man. And <laughs> I love those gags. So then we get the warning that you should never let anyone film in your home. Guess what, kids? They're gonna pay us fifty dollars a day to film some of the movie here. Uh, we'll run that cable through here. <laughs> Careful now. <laughs> hey, didn't you direct unnatural discretion? <laughs> yes, I did. Hoo-wee! Woo! Oh! You know, I never walk out of a movie, but yeah! I've got an idea, Mr. Simpson. Why don't you get something to eat from our food truck? (laughs) Mr. Simpson? The gag about telling a director, like, oh, didn't you direct this? That was horrible! Homer has some standards. No filmmaker wants to hear that, and it's, though, it's funny that, like, Homer wouldn't know any director. He he he's not. He maybe he became more of a film cricket after meeting Sherman. <laughs> he realized how easy it was. But that that scene there, where he's so proud of directing on natural discretion, <laughs> that I was like, okay, you're Joel Schumacher. Like you, uh, Joel Schumacher also had that same ponytail. Had he just time. done falling down at this point? Is, I is think. that title a parody of Basic Instinct? Maybe or sorry, Actually, falling down was like, yeah, it was like ninety two. Well, no, a natural discretion is totally fatal attraction. Fatal attraction, basic yeah, instinct. It's, yeah, it's okay. one of those two. Which Basic Instinct. I blame for derailing the career of Paul Verhoeven because Paul Verhoeven fucking rules. Yeah. And then after that, they're like, oh, you make Cinemax porn, right? He's like, well, not really, but I'm all right. I'm good at it. He is good at it. Yes. We just talked about Basic Instinct in the last episode as well. So I also love the little detail of all the crew wearing the Radioactive Man crew shirts and hat (laughs) with a lightning bolt in it. It's really nice. So here's another very inside joke, I believe. When Krusty goes to say, you gotta catch me as Crispy the Clown, that is Sean Young demanding to yes. be Catwoman. Huh. Yeah, maybe. She said that Tim Burton promised her she'd be Catwoman in the Batman sequel. 
he then didn't cast her and she very embarrassingly for her went on talk shows dressed as Catwoman to be like you promise me Tim Burton is like this is really not helping your career Sean yeah Yeah. what's that sound it's phone calls of directors wanting to work with you now (laughs) yes (laughs) I think more importantly we're missing the fact that this movie has three clowns in it four (laughs) clowns four clowns oh yeah Cressy will play three of them yes he'll be Dr. Clownius Silly Sailor (laughs) Angry the Clown Angry the Clown which that's another great subtle joke is it's a joke on headshots that having a headshot where you're in four moods just to be like oh you'll definitely be cast for each microscope crusty i want that action figure (laughs) uh teable (laughs) and then even crusty can admit he's gonna let him down on silly sailor he's not good enough for that (laughs) him being told like i told you you're wrong for the part is that feels so much like sean young and tim burton that are allegedly robin williams was like really wanted to be the Riddler and yeah. everybody told him no. That's, he almost seems too big for the Riddler because he would have yeah. been... You're supposed to be... probably would have cost too much. Jim Carrey steals that film from everyone. Yeah. And though that story of why Tommy Lee Jones hated him just because like your movie made more money than my yep. movie. Yep. It's just like, come on, at least hate Jim Carrey for being like a screen hog or something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so... Oh, great. Okay, oh. is this oh. line of the show? That's the joke. Up and at them. Up and at them. Up and at them. Up and at them. <laughs> Up and at them. Up and at them. Better. He just gets louder. He yeah, just gets louder. Yeah. Well, I think because to McBain, he's, Up and at them. he's saying, yes, I am saying what you're saying. <laughs> uh, his diction coach. That is so beautiful. And we, I, again, we thought this was a joke. Rainier Wolfcastle cast in a superhero movie. Yes. Meanwhile, the next Batman movie, I think Arnold got his highest payday, if I'm not mistaken. Because he didn't want to do it. He's like, yeah. I don't want to do a Batman movie. Like, $20 million, 20, and you're on screen for people were bragging. 17 minutes. Jim yeah. Carrey's making $20 million. He made $25 million. But, Wow. But as a result, it's like, but you got to do whatever we say. Awful lines, and you're in this <laughs> makeup the whole time mm-hmm. with contact lenses. I've told this story a million times, but I love it, that mm-hmm. when George Clooney was on the David Letterman show when Arnold was running for governor, <laughs> David Letterman's like, what do you think of this stuff? Were you ever, uh, him running for governor, you ever in a movie with him? And then George Clooney says, yep. yes, I was in Batman and Robin, remember? <laughs> and the and whole <laughs> audience laughs. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> The yeah, very yeah, idea yeah, is yeah. We all joke. forgot that. We it's- all... It's a bad movie, but it's such a fun, it's bad movie a to watch. It's a great watch. Yeah. And, and man, the advertising they spent on that, mm-hmm. it was everywhere. Yep. Inescapable. And uh, then we get another, like, double fake out. I love this so much. Hi, Newhouse. Hey, I want you to know that I'm glad at least one of us got the part. Newhouse! I didn't do it. I wished him well. I wished him well! Ah! <laughs> Stupid dummy wasn't supposed to explode yet. There's the real Millhouse. (gasps) Millhouse! Hey, you're not Millhouse. No, I'm just Millhouse when he gets hurt. (laughs) Okay, let's get the real Millhouse over here (laughs) under the x-ray truck. Hi, Bart. Hey, cool, Millhouse. You get to be crushed by a truck. It sounds like more fun than it really is. Hey, I think I'm lying on a broken bottle. Beautiful. Use uh, it. <laughs> yeah, that director and his friend, is ne- they're never named, are they? No, they yeah. aren't. None of them, they don't have names. But the, god damn it, the double joke of like, Millhouse explodes like, 
oh, there's Milhouse. He gets run over. It's Estonian Dwarf. And then I have an extra giggle. Like, there's no reason the director would say, let's get the real Milhouse in here yeah. other than for Bart's sake to let yeah. him know it's a real Milhouse. I, I think this episode could be the king of the screw the audience jokes. It it, there's just be. so many of them. And they're, I, they're all at Bart's expense, too. As I said on the season wrap-up, them getting punchier later in the season is them going like, we'll do so many screw you audience jokes. We're going to do it over and over again. And uh, then we find out how Fallout Boy gets his powers. Action! <laughs> Up and at them! Thanks for the help, mysterious stranger. Say, I think those x-rays gave me superpowers. <laughs> that was perfect! Let's do it again. Uh, these aren't real x-rays, are they? Good question! We'll check into that. Okay, x-ray machine to full power <laughs> Action. Director is all about realism. Real yeah. acid, real x-rays, real broken glass in your spine. <laughs> x-ray machine to full power. And so that the x-ray yeah. machine thing is very much in the Marvel 60s way of radiation equals superpowers, which in the 60s, in the post-atom bomb era... Who knew what radiation does? Maybe it does give you powers. It's it was a, new a time. Tom Servo joke, mm-hmm. and as we all know, it can only hurt if you touch it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It's also odd that Milhouse is acting in his street clothes as yeah. Fallout Boy. They just use it. They're like, hey, you know, it's weirder later so- that they have a scene of Fallout Boy in costume just sitting on a couch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, but that I will say though, in the comic books, that is not. Fallout Boy's origin in the comic book I gushed about earlier. All right, what is it? His origin is he is at, at a, in a parody of Spider Man's origin, being at a science a, a experiment, a live science experiment. Mm. A radioactive man in his civilian identity saves him at, while holding on to this radioactive laser. <laughs> he holds on to it and then is holding on to Fallout Boy in his arm uh, with his other hand, and it conducts energy through him to give Fallout Boy a small amount of radioactive man's power mm, sounds like my hero academia <laughs> you know it is it's pretty silly <laughs> it's man. all for all you anime nerds all right <laughs> we got to do that before weeb simpson steals it from that's right. us that's one of my favorite twitter accounts folks weeb simpsons it'll make no sense to you unless you watch all anime and all simpsons start 20 years ago <laughs> <laughs> uh but the x-ray machine is so powerful you can see millhouse's skeleton he has some sort of cancer in his brain now <laughs> he's he he's gonna die soon it, but uh, then we have the bit about cows versus horses, which I don't know like specifically what it is, but the idea like things look different on film than they do in real life. Like it makes me think of how they use like mashed potatoes to make ice cream yeah. ants. But well, there's actually a page on the website Snopes about this yeah. that is there to fool you. It is like one of the, oh, the fake... zebra one. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's one of the fake pages they made where it's just like don't believe like just because it's an authority, don't believe it. So there's an entire mm-hmm. page on Snopes. It's like Mister Ed was a zebra. Because horses didn't, I mean, because the stripes would not show up on black and white TVs or whatever, which is total bullshit, of course. But I was I've read like, it so many times. God damn you, Snopes. It was driving me crazy like because I was looking at it for this. I'm like, that's, that's, so, that's so made up. Why is this on Snopes? And then I click through. It's like, oh, this is all a joke. This is all uh, a joke on the reader saying, don't believe it just because it's on a website. This is one of our fake pages we made. Maybe wow. change your fucking web layout, though. It's like- <laughs> yeah. No, it's slightly better. It's now like circa 2001. Okay, great. Web, web design. 
I gotta say, as a kid, I never got jokes about Teamsters. I was just like, what is it? I don't Teamsters? get jokes about unions. You see, yeah. Henry, they're in a union, so they're allowed to be lazy. Yep, that's the only thing unions are for, to allow people to be lazy and mooch off you. I think it's also because Teamsters were connected to organized crime, so yes. like, you could be true. more shiftless if you had a mob backing you. That's also true. Yeah. You guys work in a movie? You're saying we're not working. Oh, I always wanted to be a Teamster. So lazy and surly. Huh. Mind if I relax next to you? I just love that scene. It's like a zombie movie. It has, it has new meaning when, the, when there's no picture. Yeah. The true. intense relax off is nice. Mm-hmm. They're trying hard to relax. On the commentary, you can hear Merkin kind of walk it back like, but we love our Teamsters could make movies without <laughs> them. Like, Simpsons can make fun of Teamsters because it's made without them. They don't have to work with them. Mm. Then we get a little glimpse into how frustrating it is to actually make a film. Wow, you really got it made now, Millhouse. This is living. Is it, Bart? Is it really? Yeah. Ever since I became a movie star, I've been miserable. I had to get up at 5 a.m. just for makeup. I like the way the blush brings out my cheekbones, but it's not worth it. And making movies is so horribly repetitive. I've said Jiminy Jilliker so many times, the words have lost all meaning. We've got to do the Jiminy Jilliker scene again, Milhouse. But we already did it. It took seven hours, but we did it. It's done. (laughs) Yes, but we've got to do it from different angles. Again and again. And again and again and again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Milhouse should listen to Marge. It's his job to be repetitive. Yeah, it's his job. I've, I've I've never been in a movie, guys, but... When I have done things for like videos on the internet, and a you don't video, want to do two takes of an Oscar sketch. When, when a video <laughs> producer has told me th- like a third time, "Well, let's do it again," I'm like, "You fucking have it!" Like I become Millis. Like we did it. It's done. I will not do a third take. Like Chris, you've done the closest thing to an actual film of us. The yeah, zombie. It, thing. It's just like, one thing, and it sucks that I can. On- I only have that thing to bring up. But it's they put money into it and made it an actual film shoot. So what? that we were starring in and I was in makeup and yeah, I had that one. I tell that story when I, when people, I used to bitch about people like, Oh, this guy turned down a role because he wouldn't wear makeup. We had to shoot in a restaurant in the summer. And so the, the machines wouldn't pick up on camera. They turned everything off. Uh, So it's 150 degrees. I'm in like full makeup. makeup. My makeup is, my sweat is pooling around my nose and eyes to where like it's spilling over inside Uh, my open uh, eyes. I'm like, do we have this yet? And like, nah, we got to, Move the camera around, and I like. I almost cried. I almost. I almost <laughs> broke down. It was really, really hard. Mm. Uh, I tried my best to remain professional about it, and I just ripped everything off after I got off. People were yelling at me. It was. <sighs> that's what you get for colluding with game publishers, Very, Chris. I'd do it again too. Please call us. <laughs> but so uh, that's the that's the real skill of acting, folks. Mm-hmm. To have to do something eight hundred times uncomfortably and awful. pretend even the five hundredth time, like. No, I'm in a spaceship and I'm in outer space, and mm-hmm. that lightsaber's right in front of me. I I'm think talking it, to a tennis ball on a it, stick. It's subtly brought up by Nancy Cartwright. Her just repeated read of Lookout Radio. It's different every time, but yeah. she does it only. That's what a real actor does. Yeah. So they can hit the same beats in a different way. <laughs> I can't do that. And uh, Jiminy Jillikers is a you know, it's not a direct reference to any one thing. It's it's something like 
Great Caesar's Ghost yeah. or uh, Holy you, Rusted Metal Batman. Yeah, Holy Rusted it's Metal Batman. It's like a Batman. hokey exclamation you've exactly, seen in a comic. Exactly, yeah. It, and so, it's like all those Will Ferrell things you quote. <laughs> I think there's a double <laughs> joke there of that. So they say the Jiminy Jilkers line. Mm-hmm. Then next we see them watching footage, the dailies in the industry term. And it's him saying Jiminy Jillikers, and it's so nothing. It's like, why would you spend seven <laughs> hours getting this shot? But it's also a very direct mockery of Waterworld. That's right. Yes. Which time, had just, uh, kind of just released that previous summer. Dude, it's been out for like... It'd been out for like six weeks by the time the show yeah, aired. But the, the production caught, problems were apparent like a, like a year in advance. Before, mm. I can't think of anything else like this other than maybe that Christopher Plummer, Kevin Spacey movie where, <laughs> where the behind the scenes were so well publicized. Because mm-hmm. Titanic had that, but Waterworld had it even more because its set got destroyed by a hurricane, a director yep. got fired, people came on Costa to do rewrites. directing it himself. Yeah. They're rewriting as they do it. When you watch the movie, I watch the movie in theaters because I just want to see, like, what's all that money look like? You see it. You see every you single dollar. Every it's, dollar. It's, it's it's something I really appreciate about the film. It's probably not great, but it looks amazing. And that's and why yeah. it's As so, a result, you got to visit the Simpsons and Universal. They still have a Waterworld God. live show, and it looks it looks phenomenal. At least they got rid of the backdraft ride, right? You, or no. the backdraft room. Oh, no, yeah, it's gone. In. Okay. Well, it's and, gone. And the gag, too, the extra gag in this episode is that they spent all that money to build that set for him for radioactive man to just say i can't believe that we were captured and put on their uh, water there that they built it for that scene alone yeah. like they built it, and i think there's a little meta joke there that they that's how expensive the movie is they built yes. a water world stage in, yeah which why they do that in springfield like why would they they never use the gorge they say they need to go a place with a gorge and like never in the episode do they go to I mean, the, that's it, true it was water world was the most expensive movie ever made at the time mm-hmm. and do you know I, what the current one is um it's I thought so it was dumb. Pirates of the, it's either tangled or pirates of the caribbean three it's pirates of the caribbean on stranger tides on stranger tides why is yeah. it that much money it's 378.5 billion dollars boats just, man boats and water cost well, a lot that's of money. true i honestly think when it comes to these Disney tentpoles it's like yeah just spend what you want money is that's no like, money is if no you gotta objects. go over you go over it's insane those Pirates movies still make money even though like I even though I think you, it's over you can tell Johnny well I hope it's over for Johnny Depp mm-hmm. I, I, I'd like to never see him in a movie and I'm like you just come take come on you love scarves and wine stained teeth I uh. am so pissed off he's still Grindelwald like if I may <laughs> Harry Potter out a little bit Grindelwald was like I've been waiting forever like well who would Grindelwald be and it's like him no no it completely took me out of uh, Fantastic Beasts and and that like what does poor Colin Colin Farrell just let it be Colin Farrell (laughs) what does he think like who are you playing who will eventually be Johnny yeah. Depp? Like, the guy who Johnny Depp is. I was being, I was pretending to be John, not Johnny it's Depp. It's so weird. Time. It's like, does Colin Farrell die in the middle of this production? Why did we do this? I was looking. I'm looking at a list of the, the top five highest uh, budget movies of all time, and I'm looking at this one. I'm like, John Carter is that a Denzel Washington John movie? Oh, and then I click through. It's the yes. fucking Mars movie. We, That's why it failed. You named it John Carter. We need to uh, do an update of that episode of Laser Time. It's one of my favorites I've ever thought of and done. The most done. expensive anything. The most expensive everything. We try everything. to find what costs the most. I think like the Beach Boys Smile is the most expensive yeah. album, if not for Guns N' Roses' twenty year in the making Chinese democracy. Anyway, that's plugs are for a later. classic episode. Plugs but, are for uh, later. I love I. I liked John Carter as another example of Disney trying to make a Marvel film before they just like why didn't we why don't we just That's buy Marvel exactly what it is why did we trust a Pixar animator to make a great film about a character no one John Carter making a John Carter movie is just like making a Tarzan movie now it's like no one actually cares about this <laughs> same with a Zorro movie <laughs> yeah. or a 
of the Phantom. Whatever you are, Valerian. No living person cares about these characters anymore. <laughs> no one's even heard of them. Uh, th- and they predict that Millhouse will be Gabby Hayes big, which if you'd like to know who Gabby Hayes is, I've got some clips. No, Rory Calhoun. No, leave me alone. I ain't had so much fuss made over me since the mule kicked my teeth out. <laughs> One more. And if there's 900 Shetland ponies in that darn thing, I'm a railroad man myself. Dude. Almost positive Dan Castellana has done that voice on an episode. Yeah. Is, he the, oh, yeah. is he the My Precious Cans guy? That, we, did, we did, Henry helped me out with, uh, what was it, the definitive guide to Robin Williams' genie impressions? <laughs> yes, and it's either yes. him or Walter Brennan. They, it's kind of a little... You face a gallopin' hoodge. Oh, like, yeah. I guess he's a little more cartoonish. That's more Walter Brennan, but Gabby, Gabby, Gabby Hayes, Hayes was the sidekick in many John Wayne films. I'm just like, ooh, yeah, I'm yeah. the jokester here. Oh. Back when you could play a coot. <laughs> I'm going to need a pie with my forehead. Uh, a guy to hit his knee, to hit his hat on his knee, like, oh, shit. <laughs> Someone's got a fall in the horse trough. <laughs> so, uh, so that, in case you've always wanted a Gabby Hayes, is that's who it is <laughs> i wrote down a colorful bearded sidekick <laughs> yeah so i gotta say if this were a real movie uh, yeah. the story of the making of the acid scene would enthrall me and just like <laughs> you worked that hard to make it's it reminds me of the story in the movie where burt reynolds played a stuntman and that hooper hooper where he had to drive the car and nuts. almost be smashed by a falling like a tower it's fucking nuts you don't even they mind just that, did it. that movie shot like fucking a tony ja movie where they show every stunt 16 times because like yeah here's where a bunch of people are almost actually murdered <laughs> you might as well show this again you can't make a movie like that anymore <laughs> it's why jackie chan movies in america once he came to america sucked because it's just like well, no, we have insurance, and we you can't die on this movie, so no, you can't. You're going to have to do a much more boring stunt. Well, shit. That's, that's... Can you kick an umbrella stand? <laughs> careful, careful. Careful. Careful, Jack, your knee. Uh-huh. Can, can I kick this umbrella stand near a car? <laughs> nope, can't do it. No, no, no. We're going to have to put the car in a dolly. Get OSHA in here. Uh, but yes, it is real acid. Fallout Boy will untie Radioactive Man and pull him to safety moments before he's hit with a 40-foot wall of sulfuric acid that will horribly burn everything in its path. Now, that's real acid, so I want to see goggles, people. Real acid? Okay, roll film. Tip the acid bats and action. Uh, 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 Only Fallout Boy can save me now. Where's Fallout Boy? (laughs) Fallout Boy! Uh-oh. My eyes, the goggles do nothing. <laughs> that's my line. That's my line of the, the show. That's the joke. What I like about this scene, I'm just realizing it now, it seems as if the director is explaining this to everyone for the first time. No no one was briefed on this very dangerous stunt. It's just like, okay, here's what you're doing in this scene. A million dollar scene. Yeah. At a certain level, this is the director's fault. Like, he he shouldn't have rolled action when he doesn't know that Millhouse is in place. And this, if everything went fine, Millhouse almost would die in it. Yeah. 
And it's the goggles they do. He's up to his neck in like 800 yes, gallons of like acid. Cheap pool goggles. And it's using that moment to complain. Yeah. <laughs> I love, they have to fudge it because obviously he should be a skeleton. He shouldn't even be saying words. But His that, underwear don't dissolve though. The, the way that like the, the metal is destroyed yeah. by the acid is beautiful. Yeah. And that, like, he says that it cost a million dollars. I wish there would have been a scene of him negotiating with Burns to destroy that much of the nuclear power plant. God, it just like but, I was, it kind of conflicts with the message of this show in that the Hollywood people are honest and good and pure, and the small town people yeah. are like out to get them. But this is so negligent. That, yeah. is, that has become my favorite joke about the episode, though. Mm. At this point, they, we'll get to there the, the goggles. End. Oh yes, no, no, yeah. they just said, like <laughs> Act Three is when they yeah. become more innocent. Yeah, we we did we have kind of skipped over the clips. Uh, just a couple of mm-hmm. the them ripping off the town, ta- the town folks ripping them off with constant, uh, constant taxes. The puffy director's pants tax. I do love the <laughs> shot of Millhouse running away. Like it's like such a hero shot, like totally for the commercial or trailer. Yeah, use that zest in the film. That might be the the image for one of the images for this episode on the site too. And uh, so then we get a joke that's uh, honestly rooted in the death of Brandon Lee. Oh yeah. Thanks to modern editing techniques, we can use existing footage to complete the film without Millhouse. <laughs> Watch. Looks like we're in trouble for that boy. Jiminy Jellicker's radioactive man. We'll have to fight our way out. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Seamless, huh? You're fired. And with good cause. <laughs> that guy just owns it. Yeah, he's like, you should fire me. I bet. Uh, so, and, that's, and that's another, I don't remember, in modern times, we're not this mired with behind the scenes muckety-muck. We just mm. brought up Last Jedi. We didn't hear anything about that. The movie was now. shot like two years ago. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. like, we didn't hear anything about it. Yes. It's, it was great after the film came out that then Ryan Johnson and all these interviews were just like, I'll tell you everything. Yeah. Like, it's out now. I'll tell you everything yeah, the about it. The porgs are us covering up puffins. Like, what yes. a I love cool that. Thing. Yeah. But this was one that had to come out before the movie because Brandon Lee, the son of Bruce Lee, was accidentally killed on the set of The Crow, a comic book film that made an okay comic book film become a lot more important. Not unlike when, say, Jeff Buckley dies before his album comes out. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, this album's so good of Jeff Buckley. Like, is it or are you just, like, enhanced uh, his death? It's not that good. Actually, in college, I met a guy and we were talking about comics. He's like, oh, have you read The Crow? It's my favorite comic ever. That's and impossible. I was like, uh, sure. Crow, I was yeah. like, no, let me borrow it. I read it. I was like, wow, this guy's in his 20s and he likes this. It's not, <laughs> yeah. It's now if you read the crow you'd be like, well, this is a cute little Tumblr post, but I mean, yeah. like you need to improve. So we a talk lot about that on Laser Time and Cape Crisis that Hollywood had been dying to get comic book movies on the screen, but Marvel and I don't know what Marvel and DC's problem was. They didn't uh, seem to want to do it. I would say Marvel's problem is that they trusted Stan Lee to negotiate deals <laughs> for them in Hollywood and he didn't. He did a very mm-hmm. bad job. And you can listen to a podcast. One of my favorite yeah. podcasts I did in 2017 oh, great. was explaining oh, how, how sp- complicated it was Spider-Man got to make a movie. Why it took until 2002 for yeah. Spider-Man to have a movie. The, I bl- we, can we not to plug another show? On Laser Time, we did about actors who died on set. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, the story is, and this sucks, and it feels really stupid, that blanks and guns are guns are bullets with the bullets removed they're still the but casing, it's a casing the powder. it looks like a bullet and in most cases i'm pretty sure like just put a flare put a single frame of flare over the gun and post yes it doesn't need to come from the actual gun that wasn't the case 
someone had been behaving irresponsibly with the gun on the set of The Crow. Mm. And I think it was an issue of something got inside of that casing. And guess what? Anything that gets inside of the casing, it becomes a bullet. A projectile will fall out. Yeah, an origami origami flamingo, a pebble. Like, that's just another bullet that fired into Brandon's heart. It was the the stunt coordinator's fault. It was. They didn't check the gun. And also, uh, he was murdered, not in cold blood, accidentally by Michael Massey, the actor, who died? Yes, uh, who just died last year, yeah. twenty sixteen, or two years ago. And I feel terrible for that guy. Like you killed Brandon Lee. Like I know, <laughs> but, but I, was I doing... didn't want to. Uh, I was acting in a film. What, what I thought was fuck? tragic is like every obituary when this guy died, this mm-hmm. actor died. Is like, oh yeah, he was the guy that did this. It's like don't don't put that on him. Yeah, yeah it sucks. he was given a prop. Yeah. You he was know, given a prop yeah. that malfunctioned, and and I I'm too terrified to go back and watch The Crow. It's not good. But I, uh, I but mean, I know on YouTube you can watch special features and how they made it happen. And what fascinates me more is that it's like we always hear about films insuring something. We rarely mm-hmm. see what happens when that insurance has to kick into place. So I'm sure an effects guy will correct me on this because it's not true. But the money for the Crow's insurance kind of helped pioneer a lot of digital technology uh, because it's money they wouldn't have spent to like madden a human being that doesn't exist in the right. scene because they filmed some of him but not all of him i forget how convincing that was i did because see the movie it's, it's, well, not it like, it's, it's never, a very dark film it's a yeah, dark film so. and it's never a cg character it's him being digitally moved to another scene and minor alterations made on his position and lighting mm. but it's almost always brandon lee in the shot taken from other takes yeah which it was extra if you were a bruce lee fan mm-hmm. it was extra creepy when he oh, died because the story like people were like is there a curse on bruce lee and mm-hmm. then his son is murdered on a movie too just like yep. you shouldn't act in movies people thought brandon lee would be the next big star they like did. he was on his way to being the next bruce lee people thought rapid fire and, enjoyable film at the time can and also what happened in the crow happened to bruce lee yep. when he died he had an incomplete film they included him fighting oh. kareem abdul jabbar and they the scenes came out and it was cut together into like basically 18 different films there are multiple versions of whatever that film was supposed yeah. to be and, and it's it was a very sad thing for brandon lee too they we just went through the modern version of that with the most recent fa- the second most recent fast yeah. and the furious film which people say you can find the seams. I wasn't looking for the seams when I watched that film, but it seems pretty clear that that his Paul Walker. Paul Walker, you can tell when it's his brother or when it's yeah, just recycled it, it's footage. Just it's a Peter Cushing robot most of the time. Oh, he's kind of he has kind of a different haircut. Yeah, but saying that someone just loves the Fast series. And yet, the so end good? of that movie, I was like, the Fast series, which I thought was a total joke. When they get to the end of that movie, saying goodbye to Paul Walker, I was like. I'm kind of crying How here. dare like, this, this movie is, be able to make me feel everything? I hate you. Uh, <laughs> I hate this movie. How dare, How dare you? Uh, see you again. <laughs> well, speaking of car crashes, Bart goes looking for him at Slot Car Heaven, mm-hmm. which right. I wish they go back to Slot Car Heaven. I enjoy that Otto is racing his Slot Car school bus, <laughs> and he just seems to want to destroy it. He doesn't want to win at all. Yes, yeah, and that slot cars do suck. Like, mm-hmm. I, I had a slot car. If I may complain about a toy given to me as a child, an expensive toy. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I did not like the my slot cars never I bought had. Me one. They, were, they were no fun. Buddy Shit Steve got me on this. Never knew this. He's like, yeah, you want to see something else cool? Like, put your cheek on it. I'm like, okay. And then uh, he just, like, uh, hit both things at the same time and electrocuted my face. Damn. I'm glad these things don't exist. Hot Wheels Long live are, Anki. Hot Wheels are way better, man. They don't have a peg in the bottom mm-hmm. of it you can play with them when they're not on the slot car oh, yeah that's right they couldn't really roll around without being no on track. they're they, they're suck compared to just a hot wheel and a in a loop de loop a nice nice orange one <laughs> <laughs> so uh then this is almost my line of the show too but i, I just love this go 
Okay, we can all stop worrying now. These dogs never fail. But will they just find Millhouse, or will they find him and kill him? Well, they'll... When they find him, they'll, um... Excuse me, you didn't answer me. You just trailed off. Yeah. Yeah, I did kind of trail off there, didn't I? <laughs> I do like the animation of it going... All right, this is coming up. Yeah. There are some Simpsons, I would call them J-list characters, that I would like to get to know better. Uh, <laughs> Dr. S is on my list with Hugh Jazz as a character I want a whole episode about. What an affable man. Yo, Dr. S, have you seen Milhouse today? No. Okay, thanks. Wait. Did you know that there's a direct correlation between the decline of Spirograph and the rise in gang activity? Think about it. I will. No, you won't. <laughs> Dr. Spyro exists for 15 seconds. They build an entire what, build. They draw an entire uh, factory and an interior, and you can see all his mad designs. But have, did you guys ever have a Spirograph? I didn't, I did. but every single free summer camp and after-school program I did. Yeah. Did. Spirographs are lame. They're, they're, art, they're an arts and crafts project, basically. But it's like, it just draws, I mean, you just... They're pretty cool. Basically, if sure. you've never seen a Spirograph before, it is a kind of just a frame that you put a shape into, and when you put a pen or a pencil into one of the holes in the shape and you move it around the circle, yeah. it creates a geometrically perfect like, like design. Putting a pencil inside a, a gear of moving parts yeah. you can make these really cool designs. Once you, but once you've seen a few of them, you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I had like a pocket spirograph I got like when I was <laughs> nine, eight or nine. No, like, you didn't. The, eight, like, the late 80s, there was a resurgence of spirograph. Well, I, it's it's never gone away. It's still around. It is? Okay, um, yeah. yeah. it's still owned by Hasbro. <laughs> Dr. Spirograph feels <laughs> like he lives... It's, it's Dr. S. We don't know what his full name is. Dr. <laughs> Dr. S, I think, exists in a commercial. Like, Bart walks up and, like, like say, the Tootsie Roll Pop thing. Hey, Mr. Owl. Hey, Dr. S. Have you seen... But, but it's, it's funny that there's an established relationship between Milhouse, Bart, and Dr. S. That had never come up before and would never come up after. It's honestly a scene that can be easy to cut, but I just love how stupid it's it is. It's so great. And uh, here is a classic commercial uh, for the Spirograph. Amazing. These are just a few of the designs that can be made with Spirograph by Kenner. Change wheels, change colors, make a million multicolored designs, each so beautiful your eyes won't believe what your hands have done. Spirograph by Kenner. So much fun you'll never want to stop. Spirograph, the world's most fascinating new toy. It's fascinating. Kenner's a bird. Kenner, it's fun. Who, need, who needs drugs when you can trip out on geometry, man? I just watched uh, the Toys That Made Us. You get to see that Kenner I bird a lot uh, in the Star Wars segment. I haven't segment. seen it yet. The Star, Kenner was so lucky they got Star Wars. Crazy. Like, it, it bought them an existence? <laughs> Holy shit, it's crazy. Were they purchased by anyone, or did they go out of business, No, I think they what? just went out of business. Like, not having Star Wars killed mm. their business because of this mysterious deal they signed with George Lucas, which at the time was unprecedented watch it. it's on Netflix it's it's good Spirograph it just celebrated out. its 50th anniversary as a toy wow so uh, it's been around for a long time kind of neat <laughs> but kind of one note it, it, it's, it feels more like a Happy Meal toy so this thing's going to do yeah. one thing forever. Can I pretend with it? No, you cannot. No. There's nothing you can do with it. Can I lose a piece and not be able to draw anything? Not at all, sir. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so then Bart finally finds Millhouse in the magical six-sided, four-sided uh, so uh, treehouse. Another great FU audience joke. But the yeah. Millhouse's reason for quitting is that it is so phony. It's like, I'm not cut out for this. Hollywood's so phony. And he believes in the real heroes, which like then Bart, in a 
very pre 9-11 joke <laughs> it's to talk about how all heroes are real heroes are garbage being a star is every patriotic american's dream not mine it's a sham bart you get up on that movie screen pretending to be a hero but you're not the real heroes are out there toiling day and night on more important things Television. No! <laughs> Curing heart disease and wiping out world hunger! But Millhouse, they haven't cured anything. Heart disease and world hunger are still rampant. Those do-gooders are all a bunch of pitiful losers. <laughs> Every last one of them. What results? You have to go to the Schwarzeneggers, the Stallones, and to a lesser extent, the Van Dams. I do like Bart talking up TV in comparison yeah. to movies. Him being in a TV show helps. That is what's better now. Television is better than movies. Mm-hmm. Though now there's honestly just there's just too much TV. I can't too watch it. Everything. I want to watch that Toys that Made Us thing, but I have like eight other shows I need to finish first. Yeah. Like, I need to finish The Good Place. Get up to date on that. Oh. Like... There's too much fucking television. But there's uh-huh. a guy. So there's someone who comes from a time before television uh, <laughs> sucked up our lives. Is it Death Jingle time? Oh, yes. I believe oh, it is. No. Death stalks you at every turn. Ah, there it is. Death. Mickey Rooney, the mixter. Mickey Rooney. Hi, Milhouse. <laughs> the studio sent me to talk to you, being a former child star myself and the number one box office draw from 1939 through 1940. Wow, spanning two decades. <laughs> How'd you find us? Uh, they tapped your treehouse phone. So, first off, I would like to say I missed that joke for the longest time, that spanning two decades, I thought the joke was... Bart doesn't know what years are, but technically he is spanning two decades, the 30s and the 40s. He is right. So Bart is correct there. I, I just thought it was a joke that Bart is stupid and confuses years and decades. No, but. it's it's confusing statistic that Mickey Rooney, Ricky Rooney was a famous actor in 10, during 10 decades. Yeah. Yes. yeah. 10 decades, but he was never lived to be 100. He was just acting since he was four. And he, I do have a fun clip of Dana Carvey <laughs> as uh, Mickey Rooney... Probably more famous than Mickey Rooney at this point, but uh, it's an NBC yeah. clip, so it's going to be impossible to play, but we'll try. So, this is a sketch from 1991 called Theater Stories. It's a bunch of doddering old British actors and Hollywood people telling stories about acting, and they're all senile and insane. <laughs> uh, we're going to play the part with uh, Dana Carvey playing Mickey Rooney, but after that, I want you to leave it on because Mike Myers does two jokes in a row that he will later use in Austin Powers. <laughs> um, incidentally, for your edification, I tried to sell a script to Mr. Dustin Hoffman. And he never called me back. And I've been in the business 68 years. You hear me? I was the number one star in the world. <laughs> Bang. The world. <laughs> I made $200,000 in 1937, and by 1945, I was broke. And I went to my accountant, and I said, I'm broke. And he said, Mickey, you can't be broke. You were the number one star in the world. You hear me? <laughs> Bang. In the world. Yes, I quite agree. I've been married five times to the same wonderful man. Here we go. Yes, yes. That reminds me of a story that is in no way related. I was working with Sir John Gilgood in a production of Troilus and Cressida when I discovered I had no control over the volume of my voice. (laughs) Really, really. You know, I've always felt that John Gielgud had a certain, as the French say, 
I don't know what. So you had two Austin Powers jokes in a row. You could tell this sketch was written by Mike Myers because he mined yeah. every one of his sketches for Austin Powers. Well, I, Why I believe not? Dana Carvey mined his work with Mickey Rooney on a short-lived sitcom he got before SNL where he was like oh. Mickey Rooney's son or Oh, you're like right. That. Oh, God. And I just, uh. yeah. We brought up You Must Remember, you must remember This, the mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, Dana Carvey plays Mickey Rooney no, on the podcast. Shit, he he does? does, just like Patton oh, Oswalt fantastic. played Boris Karloff recently. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. She gets, she gets big guys to do it. I know. Oh. I always wanted to like ask you, do I have a microphone? And I can <laughs> do something. I can, if you need a James Mason, <laughs> so we just lost Mickey. We're well, not just, but we lost yeah. Mickey Rooney. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those things of like. Let's let's not talk to him. He'll probably say something racist. He, he appeared in the Muppet movie. It was pretty great seeing him in the Muppet movie. Just as like, I just need to see him one last just, time it, and say goodbye. It put it's Mickey like, Rooney back in a number one film for his tenth consecutive decade. Yeah, <laughs> like, that was yeah. just that little cameo. Number one star and I, in the world. I was looking up clips of him and late in life, like right before he died, he was speaking out against elder abuse because he was a victim of elder abuse oh, by his caretakers and oh, I felt so bad for the mixture. Yes. Ouch. A victim yeah. of elder abuse for 40 years. <laughs> He's been old for that long. Uh, I gotta say, the only way, I know he was a Disney favorite. Mm-hmm. Disney, uh, the Disney company in the 50s and 60s used him quite a lot into the the 2000s but from Laurel I, and Hardy to the Simpsons Jesus. I, I really know him only in relation to the wonderful Judy Garland like oh I love Judy Garland so much but he's oh, they were in a million movies together yeah. phenomenally sensitive role in Breakfast at Tiffany's <laughs> they were both yes. pumpful of amphetamines forced to perform for 80 hours and pumpful of sleeping drugs yeah. and then eventually woken up uh, but he, he did a bunch of movies with her I, I think if ever they needed somebody to play a jockey in a film like well you're short enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then we got Vern Troyer and he was out of business uh, so yeah, see, I I love that the kids and media like Mickey Rooney. Like no ten year old in nineteen ninety five knew who Mickey Rooney was. Yeah, probably like, not. No way. It had to be explained to me, and I had watched that Dana Carvey sketch before. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's that Dana Carvey sketch, but Mickey Rooney is here to save the film, and he he's very right about the Ford. The Ford markets only became more important. Oh, for sure. Listen, you can't quit this movie. I've seen your work. It's good. Very, very good. Van Johnson good. I know I'm good. Movie stardom is just so hollow. Hollow? The only thing in show business that's hollow is the music industry. <laughs> Come on, Melhouse, you have to do this. If not for yourself, then for the movie going public and for the foreign markets that are more important than ever nowadays. <laughs> and finally, for me, the mixture. No! All right, I tried. Fortunately, we have a perfectly good fallout boy right here. Jiminy Jellickers! Jiminy Jellickers! Jiminy Jellickers! We're shutting down production. That's great. Uh, the foreign markets are more important than ever these uh, days. Don't you feel for the foreign markets? I love the evangelization of Hollywood in the third act of this film. Yes. It becomes so great. But the... the- They've got to mesh you with you one more time. Is Bart going to finally be Fall Boy? Yeah. No. Oh, I didn't read it like that, but that's great. Yeah. That's so great. We've got a perfectly good Fall Out Boy right there. It shows Bart of like, yes, he's saying Bart's finally going to be Fall Out Boy. No, they cast Mickey Rooney as him. I, I think it's that I've seen this so many times that I know Mickey Rooney is going to end the end the movie. So mm-hmm. just like I just expect it. But yeah, it's another screw you. It's like the fifth one in a row yes. of Bart almost getting to be Fall Out Boy. Yes, and just uh, I got to give it to Mickey Rooney. Rooney, his, de- his delivery and acting in this episode is great, and just his, like, 
I'll say Jiminy Jilkers all day. Jiminy Jilkers. <laughs> Jiminy Jilkers. And then he's kind of putting on his like Disney movie voice of like, I can be a shilly guy. Yeah. Shilly old he's kind girl. of buddy hacketing it up. Yeah. <laughs> Great uh, in Pete's Dragon. I think the only full Mickey Rooney films I've seen were like uh, Pete's Dragon and he is in Mad, 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 Mad World, but so yeah, is so every everybody. human. Like, yeah, he's... Uh, but, human. <laughs> a wild jollop gullilope. I cannot remember the trailer we played, but it made me laugh so <laughs> oh, yes. much. The description a of Mad stem Mad twister. A stem <laughs> twister. <laughs> stem twister. <laughs> Man, I hope you're all satisfied. You bankrupted a bunch of naive movie folks. <laughs> folks from a Hollywood where values are different. They weren't thinking about the money. They just wanted to tell a story. A story about a radioactive man and you slick small towners took them for all they were worth <laughs> do we give them some of their money back <laughs> no hurry Mr. Rooney we've got a disenchanted little girl in a jello pudding commercial I could play that so Millhouse it must be a little tough giving up all that glamour and coming back to school huh quiet Maybe I can get my citizenship. <laughs> that gag almost feels like it was their original ending. And they're like, no, that's not. We need a stronger ending. Like, it almost feels yeah. like I'm trying to get my citizenship. Da, 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 da. But where is Milhouse in all this? Where did he go? I guess he never came back. Estonian Dwarf replaced him. He made a deal with the Estonian Dwarf. I just love that <laughs> slick, small towners took him for all they were. A radioactive man. A radio. And just, it is beautiful. It is so the other way around of the reality of Hollywood that that is a perfect parody of they just cared about the story. <laughs> They're from a simple place, a Hollywood. Different values. Different values. So the Estonian Dwarf, uh, I should remember this, but is he playing the Krusty Burglar? Or yes, he was. So he's Krusty alive. Burglar, it's yes, Homer yeah. did not kill him. He, he did not, not kill him. him. The medical alert bracelet Check my probably saved And Alfalfa would live to a glorious 30 before he stabbed over $20. Yes. Ooh, yes. <laughs> yes. But, uh, now it's time for the Hollywood ending. This is so fun. <laughs> We know you don't have any more money left, but that doesn't matter. Just take whatever you need from our boutiques until you can get back on your feet. <laughs> Thank God we're back in Hollywood, where people treat each other right. Lean on me. That's so great. It's like when you fail in Hollywood, you're, you're automatically welcomed back and everyone yes. still loves you. Uh, our they, boutiques they have, and boudoirs. They have a sign up that says, like, welcome, failed production. Like, <laughs> instead of Hollywood, where the... G- in Hollywood, everyone wants everyone to fail, and they mock you. Like you're the second you have one failure, you're in director jail. You don't get to make instead yeah. of the jail directors really should be in <laughs> when they maybe commit crimes. They you're you made a failed movie, you don't get to make another movie for a long time. God. Like that's what happened to um, the woman who directed Girl Fight, and then Eon Flux, the terrible mm-hmm. Eon Flux movie. But I don't blame her. She then didn't get to direct another film for like a decade because, like, well, you directed Eon Flux. It's terrible. It's like, but I did what you executives you, you told, told me, me to make the do. terrible film. That's yeah. why we compensated you to exist for another 10 years without a, yeah, without exactly. a job. Yeah, So it's it's what happens all the time a failed production. This, there, there is never, to my knowledge, on the scale of Radioactive Man, there's never been a comic book film that never got made that big that they filmed stuff of. Superman Maybe, Lives yeah. is the closest. Or, or, or they the, the Donner like Superman. Tests or, yeah. sorry. The, the Donner Superman, where they tried to film two back-to-back. Yeah, well, it was the That eventually of, came out. Yeah, the, the plan of it was the producers... This is how fucking crazy it was that yeah. Warner Brothers owned Superman, but like, 
we own Superman, but why make a Superman movie? Yeah. So instead, they went to the Suskinds producers uh, who had made very popular in the 70s Three Musketeers films that no one remembers now, but they were popular then. (laughs) And one of their budget-saving things was, we're going to film the sequel and the movie back-to-back. And so they're like, we'll do the same with Superman. But Richard Donner didn't want to make a bad film. He wanted to make a good Superman film, and Mm -hmm. that cost a lot more money. So when he's working on the second film, they're like, you're costing too much money. You're fired. We're going to put the guy who directed the uh, the Three Musketeers on this. Yes. It's, a, it's an insane story, but maybe Superman lives, except they didn't actually get into production. You just see some yeah. pre-production stills uh, in the suit. The suit. Yeah, Nicolas Cage in the suit. Yeah, but in, there's like no set or anything. It's yeah, just him but, like, like in a warehouse or whatever. Mm-hmm. In my life, there has never been a good live-action Superman film, and I would really like to. Huh. We got flashes of it, no pun intended, in Justice League. It's one of the only redeemable things about that movie, the more I think about there's it. There's ten minutes of good to. Superman in that if you ignore his face. But other than that, a very good Superman. And I <laughs> yes. hope someday there will be a good Superman movie. I have nowhere else to say it, but I've put on Guardians of the Galaxy 2 for my dad mm-hmm. and I forgot the movie opens up with like a oh, pitch right. perfect young Kurt Russell I'm like yo what the fuck Superman's mustache <laughs> what, yeah. what the hell we could do this <laughs> we can de-age a man but hair on a lip yeah that like just... what the fuck <laughs> that must have been some film to watch with a uh, father right? my dad loves say. Guardians oh cool why did you say because that movie is all dead all the time it's, yeah. it's guarding it's true it's all about dads also Shooting like Logan hug afterwards like, like, like no Chris Pratt never, is a large son in that movie that. <laughs> yeah so this episode wow uh, this was a long I episode I know holy uh, shit uh, we apologize maybe if you like this then don't apologize but I gotta say I love this episode I never cared more about movies than 1995 Uh, I was reading Entertainment Weekly Mm -hmm. I was like all into like how much movies cost how much they made everything Mm -hmm. like that which is why this movie meant a lot to me as a kid like I I still like it now I just remember all that 1995 stuff going on I do when like I had to see everything no matter what it was Mm -hmm. if there was an advertisement for it oh movie's out that's (laughs) that's good enough and as a comic book mega nerd I loved this episode this is one of the most comic booky ones ever three men in a comic book is still the ultimate comic book episode of Simpsons until I guess when Stanley's on. But honestly, they want it too much. Like, yeah, they were able to do this one without bringing in Stanley, which I find impressive. Though the commentary on that episode with Stanley is worth it. It's great just to hear Al Jean be a nerd to Stanley, <laughs> where he's like. Um, you know, why did the Watcher say he never helps anybody and then he helped Reed Richards? And Stanley is like, um, well, uh, uh, and that's when Al Jean should have realized he has, he cannot be mad at Simpsons pedants because he is a pedant. He really himself. is. He really is. But I have to say, uh, we are in season seven, but the next episode begins the reign of Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein mm. in a much different tone for the show, and I'm so excited to get into that stuff. It is almost night. This episode is insane, and the next episode is so purposefully grounded, it makes this one seem even wilder in by yeah. comparison. I did watch them back-to-back when doing this research, and I was like, wow, this is a huge shift, but they're both <laughs> excellent takes on the same show. Yes, and we will be getting into that in in production season seven when it begins. Yes. You can get it early, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. On Patreon.com. Please explain, Henry. Talking Simpsons, <laughs> where for $5 a month, you get access to every episode a week early and ad-free. Go on. And you also get access to the entire first season of Talking Simpsons, mm-hmm. all of our season wrap-ups, including the season six wrap-up we just did, along with deleted scenes videos or audio versions, and us going through every short of The Simpsons as well 
for the $10 and up premium folks, but at the $5 level, you also get access to every episode of Talking Critic, our completed reviewing of every episode of The Critic, and we just did a holiday special of a Talking Futurama. If you've been like, man, when are these dorks going to get to Futurama? We did it, and it's only five bucks to hear it, baby. <laughs> yes, uh, thank you so much for listening, folks. I have been your host, Bob Mack. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. You should know it by now, but if you don't know it, it's been a classic gaming podcast for 11 years, and every week we go into the past and find a video game topic worth talking about. We've all talked about Simpsons games in this room, but if you want to get into the show, go to Retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast machine and pick a topic you're interested in, or just get interested in anything related to Retronauts. I'm sure you'll like it. Chris? Yeah, Laser Time, uh, 30, 2010, and Video Game Apocalypse. All fun shows. If you like the structure of this one and the people on it, odds are you're going to enjoy that. those two. Check them all out at LaserTimePodcast.com or follow us on Facebook. Uh, just put in Laser Time. You can't miss it. You see me and Hank dressed up like superheroes. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week with Home Sweet Home Diddly Dumb Doodly. See you then. Sometimes in our lives We all have pain We all have sorrow But if we are wise We know that there's Always tomorrow Lean on me
Oh, here he comes. What is it now, Quimby? Nothing, nothing. Only the uh, city has just passed another tax on a puffy directing pants. But I don't wear puffy pants. I meant the uh, tax on not wearing puffy pants. Hi. I'm sorry.